Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. I'm Jay Late Night Larson. And I'm Lyndon Chalky Cabellion. In each episode, we will be talking to different surfers and surf shops to learn more about them and their passion for surfing. We will be diving deep into their experiences as well as their involvement and contributions to their local communities. Be sure to check out our website and Instagram feed for updates on future shows. Thank you for your support and we look forward to sharing these great stories with you. And now a word from our sponsors. Yes, we got sponsors. First up, Foo Wax. The best wax in the game. This stuff is so sticky and grippy, you'll never slip off your stick again. Ever. Ever. Again. So go to your local surf shop. And, and make sure they carry it. And if they don't, demand it. Demand it. You'll be stoked. Try it out. Our next sponsor, Bonsai Bowls. Oh. I know a lot of our listeners have, have had one of these. And if they haven't, they're going to now. They're missing out. They're missing out. It's a healthy, delicious, amazing, fresh acai bowl with tons of fruit and organic like ingredients. They've got five locations in Southern California. From Huntington to San Clemente and all in between. Two in Hawaii. Two in Hawaii for that, those on the North Shore. And, um, you know, come support these guys. They have amazing Asahi bowls and they support the West Coast board riders and a lot of the surf events up and down the coast. And they've made it a lot easier With, to get them. They've got their own app now. That's right. Go to your app store and download Bonsai Bowl app and you can pre-order, pre-pay and just go pick up. Cut cut through the line. And for our listeners of the Late Night with Chalky podcast, you're going to get 15 off your next bowl. A 15% discount off yes. Bonsai Bowls. That's insane. Um, so make sure to mention the Late Night with Chalky podcast and you get 15% off That's at right. Bonsai Bowls. And one of our other favorite restaurants, oh, Caliente, Caliente OC. Caliente Southwest.com. They offer healthy Mexican style food with local uh, organic ingredients. Family owned. Family owned. Their phone number is 949-515-0909. And our listeners get 15% off there as well. Yeah. So mention Late Night with Chalky Podcast and get 15% off at Caliente OC. And both these guys are great at catering events. So you could use them for a shop event, corporate event, birthday event, wedding, all of the above. They love to party. And last but not least, we are super stoked to welcome Olo Clip as a new sponsor of the Late Night with Chalky podcast. What is Oloclip? Uh, they make the original mobile lens system for your phone. So these can make clips that hold the lenses, the cases that are designed to make it really easy to get the clip on the phone. So check them out at oloclip.com. And for all the Late Night with Chalky podcast listeners, they get 10% off. That's, that's huge. Huge. So at checkout, the code is SURF10, that's S-U-R-F, the number 10, and you get 10% off Oloclip. And you guys got to check check out our Instagram. We're going to be posting pictures with these wide, in, wide lens uh, angles, uh, fish eye, all kinds of cool like photo options with your phone. And for you uh, rich dudes out there, like late night, they do make cl- uh, <laughs> lenses for iPhone 11s. What? What? Epic. Thank you, sponsors. Thank you. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, 
Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Welcome. <laughs> this is a, a special edition, man. We got like surfing royalty in the house right here. Royalty. We, we don't throw that around lightly. We got the 1976 world champ. First world champion? First world, First world champ. World champ. And uh, I mean, PT, you've done it all. Well, Jay Lar and Linda, yeah. it's great to be in the room. And of course, I've known you guys since you were you, basically drums. <laughs> you, you, uh, you were my uh, Dwyer surf coach for, yeah. That's going back. Yeah, for junior high. So yeah. your your given name is Peter Townsend. 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 Yeah. yeah. And uh, your nicknames are PT and of course and the mate, the mate. And the mate. <laughs> or some people say Mr. Pink. Yeah, Mr. Pink. Yeah. Or if you're in Australia, there's a couple couple people call me Twinkle Toes. Twinkle Toes, because <laughs> you're light on your feet. Because I was light on my feet. Yeah. Or the dancing moves. Oh yeah, I was pretty good on the dance floor yeah. back in those right. days. We have <laughs> we have a lot to talk about because your life is one of the most interesting. <laughs> your body of work. I mean, come on. And I'm still hanging in there. Yeah. So, so let's start at the beginning, right? Uh -huh. Back to Australia. Grom. Born in 1953 okay. and, uh, and uh, in Coolangatta, which I was born one of the rare people born in the Cura Hospital. That's what it says in my passport. Cura. I'm wow. Born in Cura. So Cura became a big part of my life. And uh, of course, my grandparents and my parents were, were in the hotel business and my grandfather came to Coolangatta from Manly in 1944 and bought the Coolangatta Hotel, the one right yes. on the beach in oh, the center. And then when I was born and then in the early 60s, we owned the Cura Hotel, the one that's still standing. So I grew up around pub life and the beach. I mean, that's how I grew up. And, and in those days, uh, the clubbies were everything. There weren't surfboard rider clubs yet. The, the clubbies, everyone was... Junior, uh, junior lifeguards, just like we have here, you know, we call them nippers. And uh, and then in the clubs, you paddled skis and you rode some surfboards, but the evolution of the surfboard was kind of just happening too. It had just gone for wood, from wood to fiberglass when I was born. And I wasn't allowed to get my first surfboard until you get your bronze medallion, which makes you a qualified lifeguard. Yeah. yeah How old are you when uh, you get that? 13, 14. Wow, okay. And, I wouldn't, and, and uh, my dad wouldn't let me get a surfboard until I got my bronze, and I got my bronze. And then Christmas 65, I get my first water, Joe Larkin, uh, which was the major brand, the first brand in Coolangatta. And a lot of us came up through Joe Larkin, Michael Peterson, uh, Rabbit was on, on the program. And we all grew up in, water, in a board riders club then. We were in Cura. We were all in Cura to start with. Kira Board Riders Kira Club. Kira Board Riders yeah. Club, which was uh, older than Snapper. It started a year before Snapper. And then, of course, most people have read the story about what happened then. Is I actually aspired through that to become club champion. I was the club champion of Kira in 73. And Michael Peterson was in the club. And then the next year for elections, there were elections for the president. And it was me against MP. And, uh, and we used to have the club meeting in that Cura Pavilion, the clubhouse that's right on yeah. the beach right there at Cura, right? And where there's a pizza hut, not anymore, but on the corner. And and, uh, and we're having the elections and MPs handing out joints to get votes. <laughs> <laughs> and, there was a, and there was a bunch of crew, a bunch of crew that just went into that scene, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, that time and, that, and, and, that and, was... and, a, and a fight broke out amongst one of my mates, Alan Miss Campbell, and, and a guy called Eddie Simpson, and a whole bunch of us walked out and started.
The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Started Snapper Rocks again. Snapper Rocks had faded out. So you out. left Kira and, and went we to... went went and reformed and started Snapper How old again. were you then, though? Uh, like 20, 21. Okay. 20, 21. So we fast-forwarded from your yeah, start I'd, I'd already, like, come to America and came third in the old ASA World Games that was in San Diego with Nueva and Michael Ho, Larry Bellman, and yeah. Jimmy Blears. And, uh, but let's go back to when you were at Grom. Yeah, yeah so, so I started surfing. And, 13 years and old. My grandma's house okay. is on the beach at Greenmount. I mean, it's on the grid, right? Looking at the Superbank, a corner lot with a veranda that you sat there and watched Superbank. Wow. And that's where I had my 8.6 Joe Larkin, which is when I started. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd paddle home from school. And, and uh, then I started working because I wanted to get new surfboards. Mum and Dad bought me that first one and said, we're not buying you anymore. So I got a job in the pie, ship, in the pie shop as a pastry cook. And I was only like 14. And uh, then I started to, uh, I stayed in there and was making money and started to get new surfboards and everything. And that was the end, towards the end of the 60s. And, uh, and then a really good part of the story. So in 69, um, getting a new surfboard and I come from a big family. I'm the oldest of six. Wow. And uh, I'm sitting at breakfast table just like we are. And in, in those days in an Australian household, everyone ate together, you know, breakfast, yeah. Yeah. lunch, dinner, and mum ruled the roost and cooked and prepared and you didn't get up until mum said it was cool. And we're having breakfast. And good old days. Good old days. When there was some discipline, right? Yeah. And, and, uh, and I said to my mum, hey, mum, I'm getting a new surfboard. And uh, I said, what color should I get it, mum? And, uh, and I, you know, I had a blue one and an orange one and a yellow one. And, a, and my mum went, you know, son, I think you should get your next board hot pink. <laughs> so she's well, the one that came up well, with the idea. Kind of a brave thing to think about. Yeah, that, yeah. Right? Set you apart right there. Uh, and, I mean, uh, anything for a boy that's 14 and I, and years I, old. And, you know, I was, I'm a con- I was con- confident person. And I think, oh, yeah, I think you were already ripping, though. You already had a name. Uh, and, no, no, it wasn't. No, wasn't really there yet. Yeah. I was just, I was okay in the Cura Club. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I was from heats and I was in the juniors and I, I was doing okay. I wasn't winning by any means. Uh, and then, so I got that pink surfboard, the first one, the Joe Larkin pink one at the end of 69. And the next year on that board, I came second in Queensland, which is like coming second in California, like in the NSSA or something. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and I made the Australian championships on the, na- on the Queensland national team. Wow. Right, and so I went 
shit, this pink thing's working. <laughs> yeah. And, and that began the whole pink thing. That's so cool. that started <laughs> early. Started early and mom, mom, thanks mom. And mom, mom was the one that and, uh, gave you that and idea. That, and then that like, early in the 70s then I was already start. now I was starting to get in the men's I was in second in Australia I had come to California uh, is that your first overseas trip? in 72 for that world contest where I got the third and uh, and then in 74 and, and I was now shaping my own surfboards and stuff and, and uh, how'd you get into shaping? just because of Joe Larkins that's mm. kind of what you did you know you had to figure out how to make some money <laughs> your guys' generation we talk about all the time because we've interviewed you know some 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 guys in the, in the DYI slash just you did everything you know yeah. like, half the guys that in those days that, that were any good at surfing competitively were shaping their own stuff yeah. I mean you know Simon and I both started around the same time that's yeah. crazy because you know, in the junior championships of Australia in 71 at Bells Beach Simon won I came yeah. second yeah. We were both riding boards. We we shaped ourselves. Yeah, you know. And so who was the crew that you were running with back so, then? So just to end the pink thing. So it's nineteen seventy four. Now Quicksilver has just been started, and and I'm in Sydney uh, working at GNS Australia. You know, like shaping some surfboards for them. And I would go down from Queensland and work and come back when there was a cyclone or yeah. a hurricane. You know, and, and catch the swell. And uh, and this box arrives and I open it up. And in there is custom pink and black Quicksilver trunks. Wow. And in those days, free trunks, I mean, we didn't get sponsorship in there. Yeah, oh, free trunks. And so I took those trunks and, and wore them in the North Shore of Hawaii and got in that Smirnoff final in 74, the giant one, when it was 30, 40 foot, in those pink trunks. Merkel got the insane water shot from the bay that was a poster in the middle of of uh, surfing magazine and that kind of was the impetus for Quicksilver's Quicksilver wasn't even in America yet yeah that didn't happen that until a couple it, huh? of years later I still have that one of those pairs of trunks in that box so you're cool. kidding I me. can't fit in them anymore I can only get them over one leg but, yeah. <laughs> but just just to ha have that memorabilia and to bring back those memories and just to show like what so, that fit and right. material and everything. Yeah, yeah the old scallop leg. Right? Yeah. So was it, uh, what's the guy's name? John Law and... Uh, uh, well, Alan Green. Alan Green? And, and John Law. Bruce Raymond was that? Bruce was Leo. Okay. Yeah. Bruce was Leo. So right? those are the two guys that started. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, it was, well, it was Alan Green and then John Law came along as his partner. And that all came out of Rip Girl. Rip Girl was first. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hol Holbrook, we interviewed Holbrook yeah. the other yeah. day and he said how Rip Curl and Quicksilver kind of was... We're going to do wetsuits, yeah. you guys are going to do like... Well, no, they had, a, they had a handshake that said, yeah. well, we won't do wetsuits and you guys won't do board shots. Because yeah. Ripcoll started as a surfboard company. It was a surfboard company yep. first. Yeah. Claw and, and Sing Ding made surfboards. Got it. In, in Torquay, that's how they got started. And they're like, dude, it's freaking cold down here. Maybe we and should then, need some wetsuits. And then just a little bit later after that is when Gordon started Billabong. Because Gordon was shaping with me at Joe Larkins. He had come back from South Africa. He had been in South Africa and came back and started shaping at Joe Larkins when Michael Peterson and I just started shaping. Yeah. So Michael Peterson shaped too? Oh, yeah. yeah. Jeez. Yeah. All you guys did. All, our, all those guys were shaping let's, their own board. Let's, let's get a contest, surf contest. Where you got to shape their, their own board. board. And, you, and make it legit where, back, you're not, huh? where you're not, yeah. Not well, you do it. You were in one of those contests, the, the rusty contest. You yeah. know, anything but three. Yeah. yeah. You can do it like that, you know, where a guy has to come on his own board. Right? That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> Late night with Chalky, ride your own board. Hey, we're on this. Huh? Yep. Now, now everybody knows. 
All those millions of listeners already know now. Come on. So, so PT. Yeah. Who were you running with uh, back in the day? Like when you that, at that time, the gods of Australia, because you know we would get the American surf magazines and we'd see a, a, a surf movie from America, and that was what influenced you. There was no internet or any yeah. social media or anything, so you counted on the magazines. And the gods of Australian surfing were Midget Farrelly and Nat Young. Nat Young, yeah. And then in our area, a guy called Peter Druin. He, he was unquestionably the best surfer in Queensland. But all the focus was on the New South Wales guys because all the magazines, Surfing World, and all the media was, and tracks was in Sydney. Yeah. And so we were kind of like busting down the door in the old days of Australia for Queenslanders to become legit because everyone thought the New South Wales guys were the best. Yeah. And then there was the wave of us Michael Peterson, myself, the original Curly Kids, and Rabbit was younger, but we came along and all in that same window. Yeah. And uh, and we busted down the door. The next couple of Australian championships, we dominated. The Queenslanders took over. And uh, and that's where that whole generation, then we came from there to the North Shore, which was the movie busting down the door. Yeah. And, and that was that whole crew. What was your first trip to Hawaii? 72, the same year. Yeah. And, uh, and Hackman and I were talking about that last night. My first winter in Hawaii, because I had come third in San Diego, I got invited to the Duke. And, uh, and I befriended Mike Eaton, who lent me this 710 pink Bing surfboard, and I got in the finals of the Duke my first time. Wow. And then I was in the Duke for your ability to surf at Sunset for the next 11 straight years, which is the most friendly Howley in history you know, in those 11 years. It's one of the things I'm most proud of, more, probably more proud of than just being the world champ, is to be invited to the Duke, because there was only 24 people in the world got invited every year to get one of those statuettes yeah. for your ability to surf Sunset, and out of those 11 years, I made the final six times. Damn. Uh, never won it, but yeah. got in the final six Con- times. Mr. Consistent, though, that's yeah. huge. That's so, a really challenging spot. So I asked this a lot of people that uh, charge big waves. <laughs> Right, like yeah, I mean, Queen, Queensland's not known for Hawaii type big waves. Yeah, you guys are like no. I mean, Queensland is perfect barrels and long yeah, right point hand sand point yeah. breaks. And you know, when we talk to people, it's like how how did you get so comfortable? And you said well, you, you don't st- get comfortable. What happens is, but uh, you do it, and I, and I just well, don't understand. A lot, of, a lot of a lot of it has to do with. Uh, your skills, if you've got skills, you can translate it up. Look at Kelly Slater. He comes from freaking Florida. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so he had the skill set. It's yeah. a matter of, of mentally... Uh, overcoming. Overcoming the fears. Yeah. And uh, and a big part of that, of course, for us Australians, was going to Hawaii. I yeah. Mean, in those days, going to Hawaii meant everything. I mean, and we would go... I mean, Jay Lar would know that. It was still like that when he was in the, in the mix. Is your reputation was all about the North Shore. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and you had to go there for months, not like they do now. They turn up in their fancy houses and they stay a week and surf in the Five Masters and split. Right? Yeah. <laughs> in those yeah. days... You're you, grinding it out for months. You know, yeah, we would be there two or three, four months every winter, you know, like and uh, trying to figure out, because in those days, boards were prized possessions too. I mean, you yeah. had to go there and get, you know, parish or brewer to make your boards or eaten, you know, and... And now, you know, that's a whole, just a whole different way they do it. But, but peer pressure also helped, forced you to overcome those fears. Yeah. I mean, like when we were in that, Hackman and I were talking about it last night, because we'll always be bonded. 
with Sam Locke in that we were in that Smirnoff in in '74 when it was 30 to 40 feet. Yeah, it was the biggest waves in, that they'd ever held any contest in the world, and uh, and I got in the final. And and, uh, and to be out there on those days was because in the semifinals, Mr. paddled out first, you know, and he was younger than me, and and he paddled out and didn't get through. And he says to this day, it's one other time in my life I, I was glad I didn't get through my heat so I didn't have to go out again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, right. And I won mine. I got one ridiculous wave in the semifinals, like 30 foot, free fall, first six feet down, landed on the board and made it to the bottom with a lift right behind me and I got old days it was uh, eight, 20 point scoring. I got 18 out of 20 for that wave. Holy shit. And that just sent me to the final. And, is there a video of that, do you think? Oh, yeah, I have video of that. Oh, cool. Pictures of it, yeah. We'll have to get... I can send you a bunch of uh, yeah, that'd images. Be insane. I have st- all still images of it. So. Awesome, yeah. awesome. And that was Sunset? That was Waimea. Oh, that was Waimea. Yeah, that was massive Waimea. <laughs> yeah. Holy Big. shit. Yeah. yeah. I, I still can't get over how, how anybody, and even like way back then, you guys were already trying Yeah, well, I, I realized in those days... We, we don't no have leashes, ropes, yeah. Yeah, no jet skis, no, yeah. no, 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 no dramatic vest to blow up the rescue, yeah. you know, none of that you're stuff on your own. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're going down, you're going to rely on that, then you probably shouldn't be out there, you right. know, in, in this, well, that's, in this element, like there's a lot of people that, that go out thinking yeah. that they got all this So you need, you need, you need, and I think that's a bit of a lost thing and, and now because they have all the rescue stuff with the guys with jet skis and everyone's going to be rescued and all that. But in our day, you definitely needed to be a bit more of a waterman. Yeah. You needed to be physically fit and know the ocean. You needed to know if you're at the sunset, J-Lo would tell you, yeah. if you lose your board, you don't swim the camis. You go into you the go freaking Val's Reef and get washed in. Yeah, And then if you get to the beach and your board's not there and you look out, then you follow it out the camis. But you don't go over that way. Unless you're wanting to get your board back. <laughs> yeah. I watch people come to the beach like, you see my board? I'm like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's about a half a mile out to sea because it comes in and it goes out the channel. And it might it's, never come in. Yeah. You, yeah. If, you, if it doesn't get caught at camis, then it just keeps going to Kauai. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of surf companies that were sponsoring people. Right? Shape and Surfboards was where we made That's our money. That's how you made your money? Yeah, you, you went... And that's how you traveled? Yeah, and, and there was a little bit of prize money. And, and the other way was we, we would smuggle stuff into countries where they didn't have it. You know, like mm. uh, if you were in Hawaii, we would smuggle skateboard wheels and, and cool T-shirts that you couldn't get in Australia and cash and send them, sell them to a local surf shop. As soon as you got home, you go to South Africa, you'd take Levi's because they couldn't get Levi's. Yeah. And, and you start finding out the little yeah. things, stuff your bag. Right. And you just stuffed your bag and your board bag with anything you when you knew you were going home that could help make a little bit more money. And then you shaped a few surfboards. And uh, and in my case, in those early days, that's why I was working for GNS Sydney. Besides the shaping, they had uh, seven surf shops. They were one of the first people wow. to have a chain of surf shops on the south side of Sydney. So you know they had Bondi, Cronulla, which was headquarters, Liverpool, Parramatta. And, and I was a brand ambassador and they bought me this For little, GNS? Yeah, they okay. bought me this little minivan and I, on Thursday night shopping, they used to have Thursday night shopping, I would go around, you know, and, and be an ambassador and sign autographs and help sell surfboards. That's killer. And so, you know, was, and then I was journalism too. I, I was a UPI accredited journalist and had a surfing column called Surfing Today. 
And uh, so I'd make a couple of hundred bucks from that and, you know, a couple of hundred bucks from being the ambassador and shape a few surfboards. And yeah. in a contest, you'd win 500 bucks every now and again. And yeah. that's how you survive. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, different times for sure. But, I mean, that's, I remember being scrappy like that when I was a kid, you know. It wasn't side hustles yeah, all over the place. Way different now. Um, tell us about busting down the door and that whole Hawaiian... <laughs> Well, the first thing you have to make sure, you know, the, the, the movie wouldn't be the movie if it wasn't for Eddie Rothman being in the movie. Yeah. And that whole part, you know, where there was the, the friction between the Australians and South Africans and the Hui, uh, in the movies collapsed into one winner. It's not one winner. It's actually over three winners that that all happened. Because yeah. I was the last of the guys to get punched. I didn't get punched until 78. And in that part of, part of time, I was kind of neutral because uh, I was living down on the, on the North Shore and those guys were all holed up at the Kui Lima, you know, and, and I, wa I wasn't in trouble at that point until Ian Cairns wrote my column in Australia called Surfing Today when I wasn't there because I was on the road and so he, he ghost wrote my column and it was Aloha Spirit is Dead. And it was because of the friction. It was because of the friction between those guys and I wasn't part of it and someone in Australia faxed that article to Fred Hemmings and he distributed it to those brothers and the brothers got pissed of course and that's when Rothman and Squiddy came down off the wall that day and punched me out and ordered me off the island. <laughs> and that's how that happened and then prior to that though, Rabbit had done the thing with where he was in the Muhammad Ali boxing trunks and everything yeah. claiming we're number one and he had the article, we're number one now. And the brothers just didn't like it, you yeah. know? and, and uh, that's what initially caused all the friction. Yeah. And in busting down the door, uh, it, it all gets collapsed into one winner. But the other part of that was is there was the Hawaiian style of surfing, which was you know Lopez and and Hackman and Reno and and all fantastic surfers, oh. right? Well, yeah, Michael, little, they, little they were still younger. Yeah. Michael and and Larry and and uh, Dane. Everyone forgets Dane Kealoa. Those guys, those guys, the younger guys, like Michael and yeah. and and, uh, and Bertelman and Dane, they were into the competitive thing. The other guys, Lopez and Reno and that, they were more into the classic, the I cows. Yeah, they were more into the classic Hawaiian style and position. But us Aussies and South Africans came over and we saw Sunset as just a big beach break. We just wanted to rip the shit out of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's what we started doing. And because we were just doing stuff on the ways, the judges went, wow, these guys are better than those guys yeah. competitively. This is the new new style of surfing. Yeah. It's like what now what's happening is if you can't do aerials, you can't be in the game anymore. Yeah, you right? can't. So yeah. that was what happened. We, we started surfing on the face of the wave, ripping on the face of the wave, and no one had been doing that. Yeah. And, 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 and that also didn't help the friction because we were winning all the money yeah. in, in all their contests. Yeah. And there was so little money at that point that if you were winning all the money, that didn't help the situation either. And, and those guys weren't really traveling the tour, were they? Or no, no, a few of those guys, guys were. You know, Hackman and, and Lopez were, yeah. were traveling early on, and Reno. Those, yeah. those three were, were, and Bertelman, and then Bertelman and Michael and, and, and um, Dane. Yeah. I mean, Dane, if they hadn't had all that you know, screw up with the IPS becoming the ASP and they cancelled the North Shore, probably would have won the world title in that year in 83. Wow. Dan Kilo. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he was, he was... Oh no, he was so good. 
Yeah. He was so good. Not but just in Hawaii. He was really good in Little White. Yeah, he would tour with everybody else, right? On his little swing pins. Oh, my God. So yeah. it, it used to be IPS, right? Yeah, it was IPS when I was the world champ, and it stayed that way until the end of 82. So talk and about... Ian, and then Ian Cairns founded ASP in Huntington Beach in 83. Let's talk about your world championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how many contests were they? Do you remember where there they was, were? There was, there was 12 all around the world. Wow, okay. And in those days, there was no man-on-man. Man. It was all six-man heats. Wow. And, uh, and I, I was Mr. Consistency, just like that Duke story I was telling you. And I think out of the uh, 11 contests that year, I made seven finals. But of, of the seven finals, what, what won the world title was in Hawaii on the North Shore. A third of the contests those days were on the North Shore. Yeah, okay. And in that three, the four on the North Shore, I made three of the finals. I got second, fourth, and fifth, and missed the five masters final by one. I, in the semi-final, I missed getting in the final by one. Oof. And so, if they had a triple crown, I would have, I would have won the triple crown. Yeah, easy. And uh, but there and I never won, and I never won a contest all year. I just was in every final. Yeah. <laughs> so you're the world champion that's never won. There's the, two. The, there's one other. That's a great trivia question. Yeah. Who's CJ, the other one? CJ Hopgood never won. Oh really? Uh, yeah. And then that, that year got cut short, yeah, too. Yeah, got cut yeah. short, but he never won one that year, either. Crazy. Yeah. And then that nearly happened with Parker, remember? Yeah, until yeah, he won Pipeline. If he hadn't, it would have been the same thing. Yeah. He would have won the world title yeah. and hadn't won a bet. That's crazy. Yeah. But that's crazy to hear that the contest back then were six-man heats all the way. All, every event. Through the final. All the way. That yeah. is... How many, how many like competitors were there and like, no, in, an, in an event? Uh, no priority, uh, right? Uh, in, the, in that in those first years, it was it was usually somewhere around forty eight. Oh, okay, so forty eight. Yeah. Know. No priority either, right? Oh no, no priority. So six people frothing. Right. Just so you had to you had to think of a totally a different strategy because it was best three waves too. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know and most heats were twenty minutes or more, so you you had to gamble to to get three. You know you had to think of you had to have a strategy. Yeah. Three, three sevens beats a ten and two sixes. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Was it a um, three man um, panel, judging panel? Uh, five? Sometimes five, sometimes seven. Oh, wow. I lost a split decision final in Japan to a seven man panel. I don't know, four three split. Wow. <laughs> so so it was, IPS was global. You were all oh, yeah. going all over the place. Oh, yeah. We, that first winner that we had events. We didn't go to, I went to South Africa. I got a second and a third in South Africa. Uh, we had three in Australia. Uh, we didn't have any in California in those days. And, uh, and then four in Hawaii, and there was one counted in Brazil and one counted in Florida, and I didn't go to those two. I went Florida? to those the next wow. year. <laughs> yeah, another Florida Pro was a big event. We would go to Florida. I went there the next year, and I always did well over there because I had really good small wave boards. I used to build those little single fin fishes with, with, uh, built for little waves like that, and I, I lost to Jeff Crawford twice over there in, in Sebastian Inlet. You know? <laughs> so you've done some extensive world travel. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, and you started early. But then what happened is, so I won that, and then I quit the tour to do the movie Big Wednesday. And I, I was number, yeah. I was number Wait, can one we, in the can world. Wait, can we talk about Bronze Aussies before we talk about the Yeah, movie? so Bronze yeah. Aussies were founded the same year as the world tour was, okay. in September. And then Bronzazi was you, Mark Warren, and Ian Cairns originally, and then the next version was 
Ian Cairns, myself, the two founders, Mark Warren left, and we had Shane Aran and Jim Banks. Dang. So, for, for and those guys all came. You, you, you would have been a little, little guy yeah. because they all, we all lived in Huntington. We had the Bronze Aussie Surf Shop on Main Street, yeah. Chuck Dent. No way. Yeah, yeah. Next to Terry's Coffee Shop, the next building in it became the Chuck Dent Surf Center. But originally it was the Bronze Aussie Surf Shop yeah. with huh. Chuck Dent. Crazy. Mark and Feig and Bill Denny were the sales guys. And the Weaver. <laughs> Crazy. So sick. So <laughs> you started Bronze Aussies as a what? As, as a... A clothing the, company? No, or? no, it was, start, it was started as a collection of surfers like the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah. And the goal was to have a crew, crew of the best surfers in the world that would go on and on and they'd always be the Harlem Globetrotters of surfing. Yeah. And you'd always bring in the new kids. And, 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 and the idea was that around that we would build a brand. Okay. We didn't go out first that the brand was first. We just felt collectively, if we were a group and weren't relying on the fortunes of one of us to win, that if one won, then every, every bronze Nazi benefited, right? And right. so all three of us will win in events and doing, and, and that's how the whole bronze Nazi thing, which still gets talked about all the time, yeah. the impact it had, because it was the first. Yeah, a little collective club. Well, it was the first professional surfing team. Yeah. Long before all the brands had any surf teams, they didn't really have surf teams. There's guys that they sent free shit to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there weren't any real surf teams. The bronze Aussies. No inclusiveness. Right. No, like, you guys called the shots. And we traveled together. Yeah. We had sponsorship from Pan American Airlines. And, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and, uh, and, and, and out of that, so we, I left to do the movie, Big Wednesday, after coming fifth at the first Man on Man, which was established in 1977. First event of the year was the first time Man on Man. I lost a rabbit. Was that Australia or was that... It was the early heads. Really? And, uh, and I lost in the semifinals and then I came to Hollywood to make Big Wednesday. And I, how how I did still, that happen? Yeah, how did they scout you? Greg McGill... Well, my friendship on the very first time I came to America in 72, I met Jan Michael Vincent at the ranch because I went and lived in Topanga Canyon for a while. Yeah. And, hmm. uh, and through that friendship, when the Big Wednesday movie was cast by John Milius and Warner Brothers gave him the money, Jan wanted me to double... For him, because of our friendship, and he loved my style of surfing, and he wanted. And he's to, a good surfer in he, real he life, right? Good, yeah. yeah. But when I got here and I went to meet Milius at Warner Brothers the same day, William Cat, Billy Cat, was there, and we looked like twin brothers. Yeah. And Milius just went, "You guys are Jack Barlow. I'm going to find somebody else to double for Jan," which kind of bummed Jan out. Yeah. But it all worked out because Jay Riddle was really a good double for for Jan from yeah. a physical point of view. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I got in in because. Uh, uh, Lance Carson, who was the movie was based on, was meant to double for uh, Leroy Damascus, mm. but he could his surfing skills couldn't keep up with where we had, when we're now at. And I said, I got the perfect guys. He's just nuts, freaking like like Gary Busey. I said, Dean Cairns, he'll be perfect. And they yeah. actually looked a lot alike too. Yeah, same stature. And that's what happened. And so I spent that year making. Big Wednesday, which I made more money from that than my entire pro serving life. I mean, I still get checks today. Yeah, you know that's amazing. <laughs> and and um, and so I dropped from number one in the world to number fourteen. And the next year after we'd done Big Wednesday, I came back to number five in the world. And then so the- can we talk about Big Wednesday real quick? Yeah, because it's I mean, such an iconic movie. Yeah, I could watch that time and time again. Right, well, it's, it's such a classic. It's As such a classic, classic movie. Um, one of the best depictions of what surfing 
kind of culture and and even like the Especially lifestyle. The every every town has that kind of three guys, you know. Like yeah. In our town, we, we were Michael yeah. Peterson, PT, and Rabbit, right? And yeah. Then, and then you can go to other places like in 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 Big Wednesday, you know, Matt Johnson was Lance Carson, uh, Mike. Uh, Jack Barlow was actually Ken Barberg, again, his brother. And the Massacres was, um, oh, I'm trying to remember his name. Anyway, there were three characters yeah. in Malibu at that time. And did, then did kind you, of every town kind of has that. Did yeah. you realize when you were doing I'm it that this movie. movie was going to be so no. prolific? No, and, and, and it actually got written off by our inside crew. They, they, they thought Bill Millius had done a shitty job. Huh. And, wow. and, and Hollywood thought it was a shitty job. And, and and it was kind of it, like when Led Zeppelin came out, no one could figure it out and thought it sucked. Yeah. yeah. And then they became a legendary rock band. Well, it's the same thing with Big Wednesday. It's the Rocky Horror Picture Show yeah. of, of surf culture. It's posthumous. Yeah. Right. Like it, it didn't get famous until later. Later. Yeah. And and you got these you know these movie reviewers that right. you know they don't know the culture and they're just right. basing it off of secondhand. Huh. You know like. Yeah, they they're asking people about about it, and a lot of a lot of people's movie careers got like fully blunt. Well, Jan Michael was pretty big already. I mean, yeah. he was in Charles Bronson with the Mechanic when I first came here, and uh, a couple of other movies, Hooper with Burt Reynolds, and Busey was just getting there. But after Big Wednesday, Busey did Buddy Holly and got nominated for Academy Award the next yeah. year. Yeah, and and uh, and William Cat was in the Great American Harry, and then Jan was on the biggest uh, TV series of the day called Airwolf with yeah. Dennis Borgnine. Yeah, yeah. Airwolf was bomb. Right, and he was the highest paid actor in, Ho in Hollywood for TV at that time. Yeah. And and I lived with Jen. I lived up there with Loanne, my wife-to-be from Fountain Valley, in the Malibu house up there, which was kind of nuts. Yeah, <laughs> right? Good like, times. Like, a little crazy. It was, it was, it was the 70s, J-Lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. Turn back the time. Let's do this. So you're talking like Playboy Mansion and stuff like that? Well, and Hollywood parties, you know, like, yeah. like, like guys like Harvey Keitel that was just nominated... In the, in the Academy Awards this year for oh the Irish. Oh my gosh, party. yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to a private party at his house. That's going to be, <laughs> that'll be the next episode, part two with uh, yeah. the main. Uh, uh, and so I came back hard after that, though. I came fifth, and then in 79, I came fifth again. But now it was all man on man, and arguably in 79, I, I, I was better in 79 than when I was world champ. I made three man on man finals that year, won one of them. Lost the last one of the year to MR at ten foot Halle Evo. Wow! Right, and and uh, and that was my, in my opinion, even though I was only number five in the world, that was my best year as a competitive surfer. And Just with I, the caliber of, yeah, of surfers that yeah, were on tour and the way it's yeah, organized, the people you had to beat, yeah. you know, like <laughs> Rabbit, MR, these were the hot Sean Thompson. They were at the height of their game. Michael yeah. Ho, the, the, now Michael was full on, you yeah. know, and, and Dane, and. Um, and, and then in 80, so I'm number five in the world, and uh, I got married in 79 on the Queen Mary to Loanne Bishop from, from uh, Fountain Valley. And uh, she's pregnant, and uh, I didn't go to the first two events because the baby was coming any minute. And Ron was born on St. Patrick's Day at 80, and I got on the plane to Bells. Lost my first heat to oh. somebody I shouldn't lose. 
went to Queen, to Sydney for the Coke contest, which in those days was the biggest contest in the world. Lost my first hit again. <laughs> lost. Pause. Yeah, so I lost my first hit at Bells. There's somebody I shouldn't lose to. Got a kid called Warren Powell. He's a good surfer, but it's a local kid. And then I came to Sydney for the Coke contest, which was the, in those days was the biggest contest in the world. It was on TV, and and, uh, and I'm against Alan Byrne, Burning Spears. Wow. Of Alan Byrne, and he beat me. And in those days, I should have beat him, and I lost again. What were the conditions? you remember what the conditions were? Yeah, there were waves, well, waves that I shouldn't be beating those guys. Yeah. And, 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 I ca- and I came back after the Coke contest, and my head was just not there anymore. And I just was, you know, like, I'm not going to... I'm not going to get any more famous yeah. from being in surf contests. I've been world champ. I've been <coughs> number five in the world for two years, two, eight, 78, 79, and I went, it's time to do something else. Yeah. And so I, I dropped off the tour, but still did like regional events and in uh, Hawaii for the next couple of years and still was doing well. I was getting in the final the Duke. Still same relative. Yeah, you know, get, getting the Pipe Masters, you know, main event and, and uh, I won the La Jolla Open, small event. Got lost, lost to Caton in the, to Curran in the Caton, and he couldn't take the money. I got all the money because those days amateurs couldn't take <laughs> take the money. That works. Tom and I, were, wow. I just had Tom here for the rip girl thing. We were talking about that. that he got insane. a piece of wood, and I got six thousand bucks, which in those days was a lot. Of That's money. a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's epic. Do you, do you still? I'm sure you still have all your trophies and stuff. Or? I have most of them. Yeah. yeah. So I have most of them. So after Big Wednesday. You got married, you had your first child, right? And then, and then Jai came along. Okay. And what were you doing for work? So Besides- we started, Ian Kams and I started a company here in Huntington Beach called Sports and Media Services, kind of like Brillo Productions. Yeah. And uh, we were the first executive directors of the NSSA. That was one of our first jobs. I was still getting some sponsorships from Body Glove and, and uh, Arena Swimwear. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, those were little like $500 a month checks. And so... And uh, and with the NSSA, we were we were running the NSSA, we were making judging and doing all that stuff. And um, and then in '84, I coached the American team to win the gold medal in the ISA Games, which is the one Farnsworth and Jared and Saragon. They were the world champs. Oh yeah. wow! And we won the gold medal for America. And um, right at that time, Bob McNona, uh, Surfing Magazine, Bob McNona asked if I wanted to come work for Surfing Magazine for ad sales. And now I had two kids, <laughs> yeah. and, and and you guys know that deal. And now there's more bills to pay, and you want some sort of security. And yeah, I, I went, uh, Ian, I'm I'm out of here. I did I I didn't selling the company. I just signed off on it. We owned a travel agency as well that did tours to Hawaii and Brazil and stuff. And, awesome. uh, and so I just backed out of all that and went to work for McNona in ad sales. And quickly worked my way up the ladder to become the ad director and then the associate publisher, and that was the next ten years. Did you go to college? No, no. I went to the College of Life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's you know when you gain experience through all those. The one know. thing you know you learn though from competitive surfing, in a man-on-man format, is you learn how to win. Yeah. And if you can take that medal thing to the business world. And what happened when I went to Surfing Magazine, it was Surfer Magazine against Surfing Magazine. Yeah. And Surfer Magazine had been the first and at that time was number one. And every day I went out, I had to sell ads against Corky Carroll. 
was Corky gonna, was selling ads? And I was going to kick his ass. And, 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 and that's the mentality I had. Yeah. And, it, and eventually, Surfing Magazine became more successful yeah. than Surfer. And, and that's what it was based on, successes, right. that revenue that you can build off right. of ads and how many right. more pages well, the, you're the able money, to... The money's all in the ads. Yeah. So the money's all in the ads, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. That's and, awesome. And, uh, and then I did that for 10 years. And then uh, my best friend, one of still my best five friends today, Rusty, uh, I had met him first in that first year in 72, we're the same age, we're 10 days apart, asked if uh, I'd come work for him, it would be the ad director of Rusty, and those were the days when Rusty was rising up. Yeah. And uh, We're talking uh, Rusty Pays and Dark yeah. for Rusty Surfboards. Was he just doing boards at that time, or clothing started? Clothing had just started, and the, at that time the company was 13 million, and wow. over the next 10 years, well actually, a lot quicker than that over the next five years we grew it from 13 million to 70 million in worldwide and i was in charge of spending all the money yeah i found the hub goods with brillo yeah yeah the, yeah i know we're just kids you know and yeah, yeah. Kalani, Kalani, right, right. taylor and and then we had the grom program too yeah. all the, called the, the grom program that was coming through like was that was the golden age of of surfing right yeah, I mean, and surf rusty, rusty at that time was number three or four brand in the country yeah it was you know quicksilver uh billabong gotcha was in the max yeah uh o'neill hadn't blown up yeah. in the clothing world yet it was still just wetsuits pretty much and vulcan hadn't, wasn't even part of the deal at yeah. that point yeah <laughs> i mean outside of you know putting together an incredible team like there wasn't a surf brand that made apparel at the time really that that could well not like not the, like the only, that. the only equivalent to that was back in the, in the really 70s so, well no lightning bolt oh lightning, lightning, bolt, lightning yeah. bolt was the board company that made but, apparel but the brands you yeah. you recognize quicksilver and, and rick billabong you know gotcha these were just kind of like apparel brands and rusty was one of the hottest shapers on and the, i and, oh, yeah. I, and I, had, I had a great unreal crew of people working for me brillo was one of them yeah you know, and he left there to start brillo productions and you know, today he runs most of the events in America. Yeah. And and I had uh, Mad Steve's, Mark Derrick. Yes. He was, he was working at Huntington Serpent Sport. Yeah. Kingsley yep. Aaron, who was my art director, found Steve's. Steve's worked for me. And uh, Brad Drew, another uh, Laguna guy. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jeff Hambreck from the Florida. Uh, another guy that's been in the industry for a while. And uh, dirt and from over there, those guys all worked for me. I had a whole crew of people, and then we had the incredible sales force too. And Bobby Lockhart, all these guys were yeah, working, yeah. working for Rusty. At well, that we point. know how Bobby got his job because Jill. Right. She Jill. Ran the, she ran the women's division. She ran the women's division. Yeah. You got to hire my my dude. Because <laughs> he was at counterculture at the time. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He took a step up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And rode that wild. Yeah, right. And and uh, you know we had legendary East Coast guys like Mark Newstetter and that all. We had a crew, Rick Sapone, yeah. all, all the all these guys that are still in the business. They yeah. still reps today. Yeah, <laughs> it was just. I mean, the R dot was so iconic, so visible, and everybody associated with it was like. Surf. And as a surfboard company, yeah. we were we were on fire. 
But we were on my Irish clothing brand too. I yeah, mean, shit. that's what me and Bob, Bob. Bob. I don't know if you guys know, known or met Bob Skullberg through the years. I remember he, Bob Skullberg. Well, he's yeah. the one who convinced Rusty to do the apparel thing. Yeah. yeah, we were doing eight million with Pacific Sunwear at that point. In time, I believe it. At that time, it was a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking. It's a lot of money years, today. Years ago. Yeah, it's a yeah. lot of money today. Right? Huge. <laughs> and, and I kind of remember, you know, like Vulcan wasn't around yet, yeah. but you started like marketing to skateboarding well no right? we, we had a great skateboarding we yeah. had a skateboarding team that was incredible we we, we had ed templeton bastian mm-hmm. Salbazi from from europe uh tosh was just a grom he was the grom in the program yeah and uh, Otto sari i mean there wow. wasn't a, there wasn't yeah. a surf brand there wasn't a surf brand at that time that had a skate team yeah like you were that. kind of one of the pioneers well, of, of yeah. crossing over and then, and then just on the local thing is the rusty brand actually started in 85 and because of my friendship with Rusty, the first two accounts were Huntington Surf and Sport. Er- Ernie, I think, was there at the time. Yeah. And uh, and uh, uh, at, at uh, Newport there, right? Blackies. No, it was oh. Hannafin, and, and then and then it became I forget what it was after that. Those were the first two Rusty accounts, mm. and then the third the third one was Laguna Surf and Sport. <laughs> yeah, right. right and that's right. how and that's how Rusty's got started. That was it was just surfboards, and then they started making T-shirts, and the T-shirts just went crazy because it was the neon Ardock logo and yeah. the selling tons. And he, of it. he had a, a guy named Mark Acalupo riding the boards. Yeah, yeah we did. Kind of, kind, <laughs> kind, kind of blew up. You know, it was kind of like well, the hockey model. Yeah, the, the little squash tails. Yeah, thruster, yeah. right? When I remember when, I mean, I was a grom. My first wetsuit, my first real non hand me down like you suit was a peak. I wanted the peak. A oh, peak, suit. yeah. You know, like I wanted Mark Ocalupo's like colors, like yeah. royal blue and yellow. Oh, just, and and we, it was, we, we had a pretty good surf team period. And Mike Parsons was one of oh, the yeah. early guys. Yeah. Dave Palmer was huge. He went in everything in California in those days. Yeah. And we won the surf shop talent. Bam, so bam. We won the surf shop talent. With uh, Mike Downey was on that team, right? Being wow. Palmer and Mike Downey. <laughs> so cool. Right? And so Rusty was iconic brand. How long were that. you there for? For like 10 years. Wow. Then I came back to the mag world and they lured yeah. me back to be the publisher of surfing. But and uh, that was <laughs> flame. Remember the, the whole dot com thing was swell.com? And oh, all yeah. Like that? Those guys had all gone to go do the swell thing and it went south. And I bought flame back. And I bought Evan Slater back. He had been at Surfer Magazine yeah. at the editor. And then so I brought Evan to our side. And it was, edit, editor was Evan. And uh, Flame was photo editor. And then we had the business team, which was myself and, and uh, Bob Graff. And uh, the original crew had Jimbo Gaskin. Jimbo was in the, my original crew. Yeah. And, uh, and then it was Bobby Graff and, and Lynchy. We had a crummy crew. And then, and then, uh, and then, uh, yeah. Don, Don Meek came in to run the magazines. We bought Surfer Magazine. Surfing, everyone forgets Surfing Magazine bought Surfer Magazine. Did they? Right. Back in the day? Yeah. Yeah. And, I didn't and know they that. collaborated the two together and the management teams got convoluted together and I stayed there for a while and now I was head of the marketing for the both. And, uh, and it was getting weird. We were now not owned privately. We were owned by freaking New York Stock Exchange by a company called Prime Media. And... Uh, and now you're just a line item, which yeah. is where every brand's pretty much at these days, right? And it oh, became we'll impersonal. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. We, we kind of gets impersonal, and you had to make decisions based yeah. on New York. 
not based on people's performance or anything, based on the lot, the, the line item. That guy's making too much money. Get rid of him. Hire someone else for the, you know. And yeah. I just when I'm not into this, and I left, and started the Active Empire, which is now 17 years. I've been doing that 17 years awesome. as a consultant for the industry and, and special projects. And so yeah. tell us about how you transitioned to commentating. Yeah, I was just going to say within that. Well, the, the, that happened because of a, a TV show called Wave Watch. Oh doing, yeah. I was doing a, a show called Wave Watch with a guy called John Bass, who was a senior e- editor at CNN in LA, and uh, and I went on the show when Paul Thompson was actually the host when I went on. He'd only done two shows, and I came on. And, and John wasn't happy with Paul's uh, com- skills of, you know, running a TV show, and so he asked if I wanted to do it, and I said, "Oh, I'll have a go." And then we ended up we did over a hundred shows of Weight Watch in the '80s. Yeah. And through that, Prime Ticket took over the Bud Tour. Yeah. And they needed a, a, an announcer with Mike Chamberlain, the sportscaster for Channel 13. Yeah. And I got the job. And then later on, I stayed doing that with who today is the Lakers announcer, Billy Mack. Billy yeah. McDonald and I were a team, you know. And and, uh, and then I, I was doing twenty TV shows a year on ESPN as well, because Dynacom, Alan Gibby, used to do all the shows, and uh, and I was I was doing that as a sideline. It wasn't yeah. my real job. Yeah, my real job was at the magazine. And and Don Meek, Don Meek was at Prime Ticket, and he was the one, and he said that you, kind of came up with the idea or helped him bring the U.S. Open Right, to so the OP Pro was going downhill. Yeah. yeah. And, that was like the early the 90s when there was, not, there was kind of a recession. 93, 94, and, and we would have a talent dinner for the people that were on TV on Prime Ticket, and they would have it in L.A., and now the guy that was in charge of Prime Ticket was a guy called Roger Werner, a famous TV executive that started the Speed Channel and all that, and, um, and surfing was on the decline from... The, the Bud Tour and all that was faded, stay up and and, uh, and we were at that dinner and Roger Werner and Don Meek and sit and, and Roger Werner asked the two of us he said how can we bring big time surfing back to to America yeah and I said we should do the U.S. Open of surfing just like they have the U.S. Open of golf or the U.S. Open of tennis so genius I mean it's and, so and, simple but yet yeah, it's and, like and then by, Bob, and then, and then uh, Don Meek and I that was when we went, well, let's do it. And because we were working together, he was doing all the TV stuff yep. and I was doing all the print stuff at surfing. And we had what was called the, the beach buy and where you could buy print and TV together as a package. So you would get your TV commercial on the Bud Surf Tour yeah. and you have your print Banners ads in the, in, the, in the surfing magazine. And uh, so we, we put together the, the uh, uh, US Open, the first one in 94. And that's where we are 20 years later. Yeah. Tom McElroy designed the logo. Yeah. graduate, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Tom's a man. He's, he's done he's a lot. He's designed of, a couple of logos. Well, one of them made him pretty wealthy. The Vulcan logo yeah. made him pretty wealthy. <laughs> one stone. Yeah, he did the Surfing Walk of Fame logo. Yeah. He, you know. Yeah. I mean, that that time with the Bud Tour and just the, you know, the then Prime Ticket, you know, and the whole tour. I mean, that really put, like... American surfing like on the map. Oh, yeah. Well, it was that era of the momentum generation yeah. that went through there. I mean, yeah. era, era, everyone forgets that Shane Dorian was one of those guys. He was in the middle of the Bud Tour thing. I mean, yeah. that, everything was focused on Chris Brown wrap around and, yeah. and, and so, Bud Lamas and you know, you're in the mix fighting yeah. in the heat. Sorry, remember? Yeah. PT, <laughs> um, not to, to disrespect or discount 
Mike Chamberlain, but it was so f- funny to hear him talk right. and, and his analogies, right. you know, his commentary versus your commentary. Oh, yeah. I, I would, I mean, because one like, of the greatest lines you ever out of your last time laughing, he went, This wave has more face than a hot turkey sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what I like? PT, you know what I like? This, this guy's got more moves than. Mayflower and Beacon combined. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but, <laughs> and those were moving, moving yeah, companies, no right? No disrespect, that Mike yeah. was an unreal guy, though. Yeah, I believe. What, well, what he made me a better TV guy because yeah. he helped me become a good TV guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, because when you start on TV, when you're in front of the cameras, you you get locked up and everything. Yeah. And and he was one of the guys that helped me get past that. Where he said, "Don't even think there's a camera there. Just look through it." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Easy, and, and, easier and, and, said than done, but right. yeah, it takes experience. No, just look through it, and the other one he did is when you make a mistake, you tend to lock up and get all. He says, "Stop and repeat what you said was wrong." Yeah, that's smart. So, and if you watch television at night, you see professional announcers at a news desk. Yeah. They, they do it and they stop. Yeah, and then they start again with the mistake. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny is you know you've. There's generational, a, a generational audience, right? And do you trip out that there's guys out there like me say, "Corduroy to the horizon." Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> or the, right? Or the, or, ra- or the racetrack session. Well, people, uh, people still come up behind me all the time. Chris Brown wraparound. Chris Brown wraparound. Well, wrap around, you, yeah. you guys saw when we did the tribute up there. They had that on the T-shirt. It was on yeah, the so Chris awesome. Brown wraparound. Yeah, yeah, he was one of the best. Right. But yeah, it's just so funny that all those phrases and, and things that and then you know, he whacks it off the top. Yeah, <laughs> he's the X Factor. Right, How about the X the, Factor. Yeah, PT's picks. PT's picks. You know, but it, but it, it was informative. But yet we all got the lingo. And I well, think I modeled people, all that stuff up the chick hurt. Yeah, the Lakers. They, uh, yeah. instead of chickisms, they were PTisms. Yeah, the sayings I had. And that and that was what separated you made you unique too you know you gotta have those yeah. little like well no I would go to Lakers games in the old days at the forum with Bill oh. McDonald and we'd be there and he was just starting to get into the basketball announce and we'd be walking through the thing and someone would yell out what's PT's picks <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of Laker yeah. surfer fans that's for sure yeah I mean what a I mean that was an era with you know that tour and what you know the investment of you know the, the well body glove was a lot a lot of surf money ball, and, body surf yeah, and prime and prime ticket was you know putting a lot of money behind it because they would have the if you remember wet and wild wednesdays and they well, had, they had, hot, they had hot, surfing hot, hot and volleyball nights. hot hot summer <laughs> nights i'll never hot forget that yeah like we look forward to wednesday nights <laughs> i think i think the year you know current came back you know, from his little hiatus, hiatus, and you know, he had no ratings, you know, he had to start in the trials, first heat, first everything. And then, you know, they, you know, of course he dominated when he went Beat Kong at at Steve Malone. All of them. Steve Malone and that, uh, Burley Heads. And we used to, that Burley Heads. Yeah. We used to record on the VHS tape, like, and record all those episodes and watch it like a million times. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. I wish I knew. VHS tapes. VHS tapes. We dated ourselves, but you know, yeah, you could, it was way before TiVo and DVR and everything else. You actually had to put a tape in. Yeah. Anyways. So (laughs) after surfing magazine, 
uh, the second time, I, second time I started the Active Empire as a consulting practice, you know, like uh, working for the brands and also special events. And, uh, and I did a bunch of different things. That was when OP got reinvented with Dick Baker and got, eventually got sold to Walmart. And then I did eight years working directly for Bob Hurley, for Roger Wyatt. Hmm. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. I was behind the scenes. Hmm. And, uh, and that came about because Roger Wyatt was the Nike executive that came down to be Bob's boss when he sold it. Yeah. And Roger was a super cool dude. You know, he had come from big from the soccer world, from worldwide soccer. But a really cool guy. And he had told Bob, you need somebody that you can trust, that can count on in, in, in this world. That, 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 uh, and he says, oh, I've got one friend that, you know, because Bob shaped my boards on tour when I wasn't shaping them, you know, back in the days of Lance Collins' factory. And, um, and uh, so I went down there and met with Roger, and Roger really didn't, he just said, hey, Bob, if that's the guy, that's the guy. And what so, did they want you to do? Just be the sounding board for stuff. You know, like when, when bigger stuff was happening with regards to athletes and events and that, because of my, I'd already have 20 years of experience yeah. On, yeah. The, right on, on, the, on the buying side, you know, because I'd been selling advertising to all those brands in the glory years. And now I'd also run the rusty side during the glory years. So I knew both sides. And he said, you just need someone to trust it. You can run this stuff by. And, and, and so it's not me trying to tell you what to do when I don't know what, what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of genius. You're another sound you know, yeah. ear in his, in his court yeah. to kind of like... Yeah, so, so for eight years, I was Bob sounding board. You know? yeah. And they were paying me well for that. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's crazy, PT, like, you know, we've seen so many brands, in, endemic or surf brands, grow and get bigger and higher from outside of our industry right because right. I, we get it like okay that guy did that here right he was he was the reason why that business was successful but in surfing it's totally different well like I think you need I... to have business sense but you also need to have real life experience and and be embedded in the culture well yeah. one of the things that and happens. that was smart of, of Roger right. to hire somebody because he knew he, you said it he knew soccer that, he was from the soccer world yeah he knew that he wasn't the guy to tell Bob well, what to, to do, do. Right. Yeah. yeah so so one of the great but how many times has all has our industry done that oh, way yeah. too many times well uh, Bob, <laughs> Bob McKnight has one of the great statements that he made is that problem is is when you get sold into that next level of corporate world it's all about the college degrees and the mbas and and and, and, and your resume and not about what your experience yeah. on the yeah. ground is yeah and bob mcknight said and, and he struggled with this with quicksilver for years and years is that you have to have a balance of harvard and and, and salt water yeah, yeah. And, no, and, and, and if you don't if the balance isn't balanced if there's too much harvard or there's too much salt water as you're growing, you're going to screw it up. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that's a good thing. And I think we've gone through a period where there's been too much Harvard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and I think at least it seems to be that the guys, that, the Oak Tree guys that have brought all the brands, which you're one of them. Yeah. Um, I think they're doing a pretty good job of, of, yeah. of uh, particularly your your brand's younger, but the, the you know we're talking about Ruka, but yeah. but in the case of Billabong and Quick, yeah. those brands have rebounded. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I was I was just with Dave Nash. Yeah. And um, and he said that they their last year they had a better year with Quicksilver and Billabong than they've had in years. And yeah. that those guys have gone back to the having a good surf team. Yeah. Good product. And, and yeah. you know, and, and a, a little a little bit better control of the distribution. Yeah. And it's not it's not as loose as it was, right? Yeah. And, and for our yeah. listeners, Dave Nash is the owner of San Diego. Yeah. 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 One of the most yeah. important retailers in America. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I, I totally agree. And I, I mean, I might have some obviously information that, you know, isn't open to the public, but, you know, they, the board writers says, look, we're going to save this group of brands money in shipping and logistics and HR and credit and this, and then we're going to reinvest that money back into the core market, which is like our grassroots. So yeah. if they stick to that game plan, it's really gonna, it's not gonna happen overnight. Like there's a lot of kind of like what ifs and what's gonna happen. If those guys deliver on on that and within a few years, I mean, it's not, you know, it's gonna take a little bit of time. Um, yeah, we're so gonna have- they, As long as they're patient. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I get the other inside Equity, scoop from Equity, my daughter. Private, yeah, yeah. My daughter's been at Billamong for 10 years. Mm-hmm. She's still there, right? She's yeah. just, in, in, just got a long service in Australia, which yeah. is a big deal. Yeah. What is that? Years. You, when you hit 10 years, you get what uh, call long set, and yeah. then you get every year a month fully paid holiday and wow. all sorts of other benefits if you stay at one company yeah, for more we, than ten years. Unions here and like you know uh, teachers like they call it tenure. There's different right, ways, right. but the same thing. Right, yeah. tenure. Yeah, yeah. So I get I get a bit of inside scoop from the Billabong side through her. Oh, for know. sure. And then I'm I'm uh, you know pretty good mates with Shannon North. I mean I've known him forever. Yeah, he yeah. did too. Yeah, he's now the president of SEMA, I'm sure you know. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. really? Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, it's, we're, we're definitely going through a little, little funky time with, you know, the shakeup in the industry. Well, you're not going through the hurley shakeup. Yeah. <laughs> no, not just, not just, I just mean, gnarly. Not, not us as a brand, but as a, like, as an industry, you know, the, the hurley shakeup, you got Rip Curl that, that sold to an outdoor company, right. you got, you know the board writers group and then you also got this other group altamont capital which renegade and they own a huff, lot of brands huff brixton fox DeKine, yeah. bourbon like so there's yeah there's brand consolidators there's a lot of yeah, yeah there's a lot going on and, um, and what's more interesting to me is to see because uh, you know like we just came off surf expo which is now really our only show and it's a national show and it was it was actually exciting to hear that the brick and mortar business in the East Coast had had its best year in ages. They they actually had a really good year. Yeah. yeah. At, at brick and mortar, even in the even with still the growth of online and Amazon and all that stuff. Yeah. People are still going to the surf shops to buy their core product. So yeah. Thank so, you, listeners. You hear that? Yeah. Support and, your local. And, and hopefully the Olympics do happen and the coronavirus doesn't stop it. Yeah. yeah. But that's only going to in my be more in the favor of all the brands in that surfing will be hip and cool as long as you make good product and you do yeah. and you do good branding yeah i mean it still comes down to branding yeah <laughs> i yeah. mean if you if you make your brand cool kids will buy it you know <laughs> yeah yeah staying authentic and, and true to your roots and, and you know not not chasing the trends too too far you know you gotta have that balance of you gotta stay relevant you know well i've always said that the true brands started in 
in hard goods, and I call trunks hard goods. Yeah. If you can't make a good pair of trunks, you're not in the business, or you won't be for long. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, how many? And, and, how and it's pretty much become that way with wetsuits too. Now everybody, uh, everyone makes wetsuits. Although I heard earlier, completely dropped their entire wetsuit program. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's. It's true. I mean, it's it's. And they were making a pretty good suit. I've got one in the car right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's what a, a lot of good marketing in suit in wetsuits. Speaking of Olympics, can we talk about your role? That or you were. I coaching. was the national coach of China. Yeah. And uh, and that when well it started with I was doing the event the Silver Dragon, which I'm still doing eight years now. You know, which is the event where on the river bore. And, um, how did that start? And how did well, you get Well, I just got invited to be a judge. And, um, the title through my, board, through, right? Through my friend Glenn Brummage, who, who's uh, now the head of Shack of Surfing Heritage. Okay. Right? And I went over there as a judge, and then he was getting too much involved in other stuff to pay attention to the event because you have to invite teams from all over the world and coordinate the TV production crews. And I bring 20 people from all over the world together for that event every year. And um, through that, I got known in China, uh, you know, at, at a government level, and uh, and then when surfing got in the Olympics in September of 2016, they knew I happened to be in China at the time, down in Hangzhou, where the river bore is, and uh, the next day the second in command of of, uh, of the government sports department was at dinner with me, asking me. Uh, so how did we get any good at this? Because in China, in the Olympics, it's everything. It's not like the NBA or the NFL. Or yeah, you're not, there's not professional no, 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 leagues no, no. and stuff. There are, but, but that doesn't mean nothing. You get yeah. winning medals for China. I think that's most countries outside of yeah. a few. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. more Western countries. Yeah. The Olympics is important, but it's not more important than the pro sports. No. And, and well, for China, it's For China, it. it's yeah. everything. Yeah. And, uh, and he just went to me. He went, so how are we going to get any good at this surfing? I said, well, first you have to teach the Chinese how to swim. <laughs> oh, that's epic. Because <laughs> no one swims, right? Because they don't have a beach culture. Even that unreal beaches and unreal ways. I've, I've discovered a place that's just like Noosa on the mainland. You know, yeah, like that's it's so kind of, amazing. It's kind of, the, yeah, a lot of... Un- but no one goes untapped. in the water. You know, like I was on, the, on this peninsula island, the Shushan Islands, that I found a national park just like Noosa with four points, perfect ways feeling on all of them. And it was during a, a, a typhoon, and when the typhoons come, they have cops on the beach in orange jackets. The orange men, you go in the water, you're arrested, you go to jail, because they don't they, let they, anybody well, in no, the water. They, not enough people can swim. Yeah, and so it's I'm out. I'm out. And yet, issue. and yet, millions of people live where I was. You don't even see a boogie board. That is wow. such a trip. <laughs> like, like millions of people. I'm not talking about uh, yeah. live near the beach. Yeah, they're scared they're gonna paddle. Uh, that's kind of mind blowing right at some point at at some point it might change but oh for sure I bet in the next five years you're going to see a whole different yeah you're going to and so (laughs) what if you guys and so I mean see what's PT's wallet right now few people in the world that would ever ever get one of these this is a green card to live in China that allows me let me take a picture of that PT oh (laughs) turn it around Oh my gosh! And and uh, this allows me to live and work in China. Okay. And you have to do their physicals and medicals to get this because they have age discrimination. At sixty, you're not allowed to work for the government. You're that you're you're done. Yeah. 
And I your old hat, you're not. So I had to go through there because I had skills that they don't have. If you look really closely, you'll see in the top corner it has an A. That's the highest level that you can get. Category A. Right. <laughs> like I have other friends that are expatriates that are there. No one has an A. But because I'm Olympic coach, it's like Bella Caroli for gymnastics. Right, right. Over there, yeah. Same thing. Nadia Comaneci. Right, and, right, yeah. right. And so that achievement alone has been a, a, a new phase of PT's life that a lot of people just don't realize that it's like the last chapter so I did the coaching for two years, 2017 and 18, and I took the Chinese national team to their first ISA World Games, first time they ever competed, and they were in France. And then um, the problem when you work for the Chinese government is they want to hear what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. Uh, wow. And, I've worked and, for people like that. Right. And... Uh, <laughs> And it wasn't about the money, even though I was getting compensated good. It, it, I'm not gonna, look, I've coached teams from all over the world to win gold medals in a world-class competition. And I can't, can't coach that way. I gotta, yeah. you, you gotta let me coach the way I coach. And, and the results and, uh, are based result, on all kinds of right. factors that aren't in your right, control. Right, And so, um, and that, I mean, that's one of the reasons that I stopped coaching the American team at that one point, because I founded Surfing America. I'm the one that went and got the national governing body status from Fernando in 2004 and, uh, and ended the USSF, which you would have competed in. And, 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 it, and I did that for the next five years. I had Chloe and Dino and Courtney and Sage and all these people that are now on tour. I coached them in that era. Yeah. And there was a period of time where they didn't like the, the result. We didn't get the results we wanted. And it's because the athletes were in Portugal, mailed it in. They quit. And, and, uh, and I called them out in the, in the media and the parents all got pissed off and went to the administration and told the administration to tell PT how to coach. What? <laughs> and the administration came to me to tell me how to coach. And I, and I, and I, uh, I went, well, no, just give me my last check. We're done. And they go, no, no, we don't want you to quit. I go, don't tell me how to coach. Yeah. I go, if you don't like the way I coach, yeah. I said, I won gold medals for this country. I go, if you don't like the way I coach, then you get a different coach. Yeah. That's what happens in all of your other sport. Yeah. Yeah. I go, like, the bus, Jerry buses yeah. and tell Phil Jackson how to coach the Lakers. And I go, and if he, if he doesn't like the way Phil Jackson coaching, then you get rid of Phil Jackson. Exactly. And, and I left. That's what, how That's it what happened. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so the same and, thing. The you same, know, the coaches same thing do that. In China. Yeah. Coaches do they, that. You know, like they have to put people in their place and put people on the spot to get a. You know, sometimes that works, but sometimes well, it doesn't. Well, in China, but, because they're an Olympic power, I mean, they're arguably in the top three nations in for the sure. world: the USA, China, Germany. You know, that's kind of the you know, in, if you look at the summer games. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and that they think they, because they're a power, that they can shortcut the system. Yeah. And they made suggestions to stuff that, and they had me working on stuff like finding Chinese nationals that live in other countries. But there's one, and I found one, one of them was on tour, 25% Chinese, and he came to me. And because so he could get in the Olympics and represent China, right? Who was it? Zeke Lau. Zeke Lau? Yeah, he's twenty five percent Chinese. Wow. Ah. <laughs> and and uh, there's one big catch though. 
you can't represent China unless you give up your citizenship. You can't have dual citizenship. Ooh. And I went all the way to Washington to the State Department to find out what that meant. You have to walk into a federal courthouse in America and put your hand up and say, I renounce my citizenship. Wow. And you'll never get it back. Never. Wow. They'll give, it, they'll give it to a Mexican coming across the border, and I was told that by someone in Washington before they'll give it to someone that renounces their citizenship. Right. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. But they were willing to pay Zeke a year, $250,000 a year just to be Chinese. <laughs> Until until he might do it now. Until right? you don't do what they say, and then you're you're out, and then you don't have a country to go back to. No, you're stuck in China. Yeah. Well, that's the, exactly. I think I'm a quarter Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> quarter gets you two hundred. So percent, you get a million. And so they were trying to shortcut the system, and I got all that part. But then, but then they just wouldn't listen on the development program yeah. because there's no there's no like NSSAs or WSAs and you know Prime and all that stuff. And they have to develop that and develop the kids. And it's going to take time. Yeah. You know? It's a there's bummer. One, there's one good kid that, that I found. His name's uh, Alex Quizot. Alex is his English name. And he has been around me since I first met him when he was 11. He's 16 now. And he was in the team that was in France. And he didn't do any good. And then he came here for the ISA juniors, the ones that were in heaven. Yeah. And uh, he, he didn't, do, didn't do that good. But... When he was still here, they were here for a month, he said, hey, Coach BT, he said, can I get in the NSSA and see how, how I do? And the government wouldn't pay for that. Yeah. He paid for it out of his own pocket. I got You're it all set me. up with Janus. And he made it to the semifinals in the open season. Wow. And, and against, you know, the, the best kids. Yeah. Charles Lindblad and these kids from San Clemente, and then he got to the semifinals. Missed the final by one point. Wow. And he suddenly realized, well, I, I can actually compete at this level. Yeah, I've seen and, some more fine-tuning. Right, but the government won't support that quest that, that they've got to go out and travel and be in international competition to raise the level up, or it's never going to... You, you're just going to get eaten alive. Yeah. So they just wanted to control it and... And, Are they, 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 and they, keep it... You, you guys have no idea. I've been sent to their sports factories for their other sports for Olympics. You see little 10-year-olds that are in like gymnastics and that just brutal you know that they, they profile they already have a profile yeah. on what a surfer should look like yeah. and they've sent me to those to pick kids out of the swimming team and gymnastics and they're ordered to be surfers instead of be swimmers and sent to the beach and they've never even so been they to have the factories beach. yeah yeah like athlete factories athlete for each no no there'll be like 15 sports in one factory wow but they but foreign coaches. Their, their scouting isn't based on like hey i'm pretty good at this no, no, no. i'm gonna go do this it's like Based on physique and family history and like who you are, yeah. and at like eight, ten years old, yeah. you are selected. Selected to, yeah. Wow. It's crazy. I mean, if you're good, you're and good. And I try to tell them, I try to tell them that uh, surfing's not like that. Yeah. It's no, it's no, there's a certain amount of formula you can apply, but you can't teach somebody how to catch a wave. Yeah. And you can't teach somebody the ocean. You have to go out and get bashed like we've all done to learn how to get out and catch a wave, right? Yeah. And and until you do that, you know, I I, I can't help you until you learn how to go out and catch the wave. Once you're going to learn how to catch the wave, I can give you some suggestions about rip currents and stuff like that, but eventually you're still going to get bashed (laughs) back to the beach. So you you coached the Chinese team for two years? Two years, yeah. 
And you lived over there. I lived over there. Yeah. How, then, what was it like over there? You get they, used to, I, I, well, they, we were on the tropical island Hainan, which is like a, the side of Oahu, and it's a tropical island. It's beautiful and everything. And I li- lived in a funky little hotel right on a place called Rayu Bay, which is the one where you see the left-handers. They have the contest in all the time. Mm. And Rayu Bay is, is, is a mushy left-hander. I mean, it's fun, but it, there's so many other better waves you have no idea. But they chose that because of the convenience and location? No, they just no? because that's the place. Wow. And uh, But right in front of the hotel is this great little right that comes off the rock that no one says. So I have my board. Kitty ball? It's my kitty ball. In China. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and so, you know, and, uh, and I just went, well, you know, well, part ways. But I'm still doing the river event. I'm still running the river event. I'm it, contracted to run it this year, and we're not sure what's going to happen is, at the is, moment. Is that the same event, or is it different from what Rip Curl does? Or I mean, uh, sorry, Red Bull. Um, it used to be Red Bull. It's yeah. not, not sponsored by Red Bull anymore. But, that, but that's, that's the same one. Okay. Same event. Yeah, I've watched that. And, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, Alex Gray and Shane Magnuson won it one year, like four years ago. Yeah. yeah. And, and you you get uh, Tosh and Jai to come down, right? They both work on the event. Actually, Tosh has surfed in it a couple of times. Last yeah. year, he made the final. Him and him and Kyle McGeary, they wow, made the final sick. against the Spanish and the French. They came like they beat they beat the Spanish with Neko Acero and, and uh, those were the uh, champions. And Kyle and Tosh beat them and got in the final. And then they lost in the final to South Africans and, and the French. Wow, what a unique event! And I just the Turners them. went. The Turners went as a team one year with brothers. And it's a pretty legit wave, right? Oh no, it's serious. Yeah, yeah. It's not. This year was the best maybe ever. It was ten foot, like ridiculous. It's so, a, it's in a river. Right. It's a tidal board. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's crazy. And, and, and from year to year, because of the way the river flows, there'll be more sand. Some years this year there was a lot of sand. There was a full barreling section with guys getting five, six second stand up barrels in, in You're that section. You're kidding me. Like, how big of an arena? Five you know, miles of river. Yeah, yeah I was like, just going to say, like... And, um, the river gets wider and narrower and changes direction. Yeah. And so when that swell's coming down the river, it'll go, if it turns, it'll go left, and if it turns, it goes right. So you're on jet skis, and you're scouting. It's like playing the golf course. You have a training day to figure out with your map where, where you want to hold priority so that you want that left-hander. Yeah. Right? And, and so there's a lot of strategy. Yeah, surfer strengths, like where... How that's, why, that's why Dingo, Dean Morrison, and Kobe Abbotton have won it so many times because there's one section called Dingo's Right and he's won the event twice because he makes sure that he holds priority until he gets there and then scores two nines. You know, like... Wow. <laughs> so unique. It's crazy. Because it's your best three... Your yeah. two-man teams on a jet ski... Yeah. And it's your best three ways. Two from one of the guys and yeah. one from the other. It, it's, to me, it looks like a wave pool, yeah. in a sense. No, it's a... It's, a, it's, a, it's it, like a state... It's like a... A natural wave pool. Yeah. yeah, it's a natural wave pool. Right. You know? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and they're, they're starting to find them all over the world. You know, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, none, there's none like this one. But no, but they're... But in, yeah, there's one in, there's one in Brazil. Yeah. There's one in Indo. Yeah. There's one in England. But they're nowhere near this. This is ridiculous. This is like the, the Jamie O'Brien. A, Jamie O'Brien, who's won it and been second once at the takeoff at bridge number nine when the swell first comes under the bridge, and it's eight to ten foot. If there's a, if it's a, a really yeah. When the sun and the moon come together, determines how big it is. That's why we have it in September. Yeah. And uh, he said that the takeoff the one year, he said it was like being at that eight to ten foot Halle Eva. Wow. 
Damn. It's a lot of water moving though, you know. A lot like, of water moving and when you, and when you eat it, you're getting sucked out to sea at fifteen knots. Your buddy's gotta come find you. Yeah. You're, you're <laughs> drifting. It's dangerous. It's not this is not what kind of what kind of equipment are they riding? They're riding pretty similar boards to what they ride, but uh, a little flatter because uh, the the top of the wave. Yeah. Uh, if you have like, too much rock, yeah. If you have too much rock, you just rock her out and go over the back of the wave. So a little flatter. Yeah, a little a little bit flatter. Don't necessarily need more volume. Not really. Even be, even though it's fresh water, you're not, you're not still really. like moving so fast. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, it's it's interesting. I wash it. I'm trying to look at the board and stuff, and like I go, it looks like. They're normal boards. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty. They pretty much ride normal boards. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it's it's a pretty crazy situation. Let me tell you that uh, uh, I have a couple of shots on my phone here or this year that this year Jai comes over and he is actually my assistant director. But because we got the Indos got barred this year, the Chinese wouldn't give him, wouldn't give him a visa. And so at the last moment, Jai got to go surfing with his buddy from Australia that were working on my crew because we have. We have uh, what's called wranglers, the guys that stay on the shoreline to make sure the guys aren't do too close to the to the edges of the river where there's old submerged piers and stuff like that. Yeah. And for rescue too, in case something goes wrong, which stuff goes wrong. Yeah. And and you got to have crew on it, just like big wave surfing. I mean, right, right. You know, that guy's getting sucked out to sea, and you better go find him, otherwise. And there's times where the jet this year, Kyle and and uh, and Tosh ate it pretty bad. Kyle got like a little concussion. He got knocked out. Wow, they submerged the jet ski and upside down. <laughs> jet ski's gone. Yeah. Freaking, you're gone. You're Freaking. gone, and you're getting sucked out to sea, right? So you got to you got to get back to the jet ski. Then you got to find your mate. <laughs> how many how many like spectators show up to this, or is it more when, about on, the, on the river on the yeah. riverbanks? The, the the riverbanks are lined with people thinking we're going to die, like a NASCAR race. Yeah. They can't believe these white people are out there going to kill yeah. themselves. Yeah. they're right? waiting and, for an accident. And to then happen, it's on right? live television. Yeah, it's on like there's That's what I, twenty million people watching. That's so. Incredible. They're not watching it because they know anything about surfing. They're watching it for the fear factor and, and the and danger. They can yes. think yeah. that someone's going to die. They're waiting for a car crash. They're waiting yeah. for a car crash. Yeah. Exactly. They're waiting for somebody to die. So <laughs> crazy. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. I mean, I go every year and when and the judging, you're on the judging boat if you're judging. And so the judging is sort of backing up from the wavers and coming at you the whole time, which have been in some scary situations where the wave ran you over and stuff. But but you, you, you the awareness and the danger factor is huge. Yeah. I mean, and and in China. If something was ever to go seriously wrong, you'd be in a lot of issues with the government because saving face in the Chinese government is huge. Yeah. You know, so you got a lot of precautions, a lot of extra. Yeah. Yeah. You have a four-star general standing beside you every day that I have to sign off on. He he has to give me the wink to say everything's okay. He checks who's in the right jet skis, right boats. I have to give him a plan every night with every name on there on every jet ski and boat of who's going to be there. Wow. He checks it off every freaking time. Yeah. And you've been running that for how yeah, long? Yeah, I mean, check this out. This, 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 is, this was the barrel section this year. That's South African. Dang. <laughs> this is so weird. That thing. And that's in a river. Right. And so his teammate, you see him on his jet ski out on yeah. the shoulder right there in case he eats it. <laughs> that is cool. <laughs> right? And, 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 you know, it's like I said, it was, it was one of the best years from point of view of the wave that we've ever seen, there's no question about it. And uh, and then and then it, it was it was big this year. It was, look at this. This is this is Jai. 
Wow. Dude, that's that's, <laughs> that's pumping. That's pumping. like uh that's pumping. That's like um <laughs> Dang. That looks like a freaking That's like a awesome eight feet, ten feet. Awesome. At least, Canvas. right? Yeah. That's mind blowing. Yeah. Unique of it. You've you seen bless you there, thank yeah. you. You've been on this earth for a long time. You've seen so many changes, you know, in so many different aspects of, of our culture, our sport. Um, tell us like some of the things that you just, you know, thought that would never happen that happened or it's a funny question, but well, I mean, you know what I mean? Like one of, the, one of the things you probably saw that the, in the register that they had asked me 10 years ago about the predictions of this last decade. And I actually out of the 10 things I predicted, I got six of them. I think one of the ones I got right is that wave pools would become a reality. Yeah. And right now, there's 30 wave pools in construction around the world. Wow. And that's only going to get more because of the Olympics, because Olympic federations, just think of Africa. Think of every country that's on the coast of Africa that has beaches that probably doesn't have really any surf culture, but now they could have athletes in the Olympics. Yeah. Right? So those guys get government money to build a wave pool in the middle for training. Yeah. And the same thing has happened in China. It's happening everywhere. Yeah. Right. They're, they're building one in Germany right now for the same reason. Right. Yeah. And and so that and we just saw the announcement. Slate is going to build the biggest one we've ever seen out of Coachella. That's so crazy. Right? right. And so that that's one thing that, that I think is interesting because you know the 2028 Olympics are going to be in LA. Yeah. And I'm on the board of directors of the Tourism Bureau for Huntington, and we're already in the bid process have surfing in Huntington Beach in 2028. That's already started amazing. already. And, right? when, and that's in end of July, beginning of August, right? Right. So that would be conflicting with the US Open? or Well, they already moved the US Open late this year yeah. because of the Olympics. It's later this year. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. And uh, not only a week, but it's in August but, yeah. instead of July. But, um, but the biggest danger that Huntington wouldn't get the location of the Olympics. Yeah, it's a wave pool. Yeah, they, could, they could go to the new one in Palm Springs. By then, there'll be how many of them do you think we're going to have in another eight years, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, don't, I don't think it's a bad thing as far as I'm concerned. It's just another surf spot that takes pressure off, off the beach, right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty phenomenal. We talk about the wave pools and just surfing in general, whether it's, you know, the WSL or the wave pools or, or just the, the state of, you know, like the industry on no u.s tour really you know like there's a lot of a lot of crazy yeah I, I, but but that that I, that part's not even relative anymore i mean you know like right now today there's heats going on in morrow bay for a wsl 1000 and you know i don't know you guys wouldn't even know that kevin schultz is one of the best young californians yeah. he's yeah. our cousin you know like his talent cousin he, he beat brett simpson in the final a lot two weekends yeah. ago yeah I mean, at, uh, at his mail i was up there on the his, saturday yeah, yeah. So you guys are related the, with the Schultz? Yeah, that's so that's, funny. That's my ex's uh, uh, nephew. Nephew, yes. Yeah. Small world. Yeah, and uh, cousin Kevin. And uh, but the thing is, is that he's he was. Uh, I don't see right? the argument about no domestic tours relevant anymore because no country really has domestic tours anymore because now you have this whole layered system of QS. Yeah. From now the new Challenger series, which is the ten thousands and. You can't get to that unless you got enough points to get beyond. This year, there's a new level of five thousands, wow. and then the three thousands, and then the one thousands. Yeah, and it's just going like the minor leagues of baseball. You got to you got to get down here in the in the dirt. Yeah, <laughs> and, prove, and, prove yourself to get the right, and, yeah. and, and, and you can't do it without traveling. No, come 
Hey, I don't want to hear that. Brazil hasn't got a domestic tour that everyone thinks they have. Yeah. Those guys go to Australia and kick everyone's ass and then they come here and win the US Open every year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's good. Speaking, <laughs> yeah. I mean, speaking, let's talk about that. How trippy, you know, in your well, lifetime. That's the, yeah, that's the biggest change because in my era, the Brazilian thing wasn't even... Uh, there were Brazilians on tour and a yeah. couple of them were good mates of me. Daniel Friedman, Leapy DeLong. Uh, you know, there were a couple of guys that were definitely around. Pepe Lopes got in the final Pipe Masters in the, my world championship year, but they weren't anywhere near now. The Brazil, yeah. Brazilians, with no, no one wants to admit it, but they're the best in the world. That's a fact. Yeah. When you look at Medina, oh. Italo, and Philippe, those are yeah. just those three. Yeah. Well, what's, I mean, the only one where they're not is the Czechs. Yeah. They only have one really good chick at Silvana Lima. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and she's what, been around for a while. What's crazy is, like you said, from your time being on tour, right? There's a handful of Brazilians. Yeah, it used to be all Australians and Americans. And then when, when you were on tour and we were watching, you know, when, when the tour was like, I guess it's bigger now, but. I mean, we had Fabio Gavea and uh, Nico uh, Paderatz. The, two, the Paderatz brothers, both. Paderatz, and then that was Ren and Roca. Ren and Roca. Yeah. But nothing. Here they were. Hurdy was good. Yeah. But they never were like. No, not like now. Like now, which yeah. is like astonishing. No, no. And Yadagora. Yeah. You, if you go to the Australian Open, and the Adrian Chinese Sisa, the Sydney Open this next week. There'll be six Brazilians you've never even heard of. Yeah. And look at the last year's qualifying. Yeah. Out of the ten guys that made it, five of them were Brazilian. Yeah. Not one American. No, no. Not one. Australia made a bit of a comeback. Australia got four on, on tour for the first time in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's. Yeah. There were a couple of Americans that got close. The the one kid from down south. Because um, we need another PT resurgence, bro. In the no, US. We, we, we need to stop. It's back to the, the silver spoon treatment. They get spoiled too much too uh, early. Yeah. Yeah. There are a yeah. couple of good kids, though, that, that, that I think have the potential, um, you know, that, that could get there talent wise. That uh, kid from San Clemente, the big regular foot, he's really good. Caden? Yeah. Uh, he's know. a quicksilver kid. Yeah, Caden. Yeah. Is that Cade? Matson. Yeah, Cade Matson. Yeah. He's got the, he's Package. got the build and, well, he's got the build and the skills. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, and he, he's got an aerial game for a big kid, as well as he's already got to the quarterfinals at an event in Sunset. So that tells you straight away that, you know. Full package. Yeah. 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 That's cool. I mean, I, I just look at it as like, you know, the California culture, you know, that, that like the surf shop involvement, you know, like where, the QS event kind of, you know, the, you know, bud tour and then, you know, prime ticket Panasonic and it changed over and over that kind of evaporated. And there was kind of nothing for a while, except a couple key events, us open, maybe, maybe lower. Well, the, other thing, the other thing, the other thing's changed in our world. So radically is just the influences by social media. Wow. Yeah. You know, the, the, the people that get famous and they haven't really done anything. No. Because yeah. They can. You know, like us doing a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> right. We're super famous now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is our right? second. Yeah. But, but that didn't even exist. Yeah. And, and from a brand strategy, now that becomes super important. Part of yeah. the package. You know, you know, you can't just... Like that kid from, from Jersey, Ben Gravy. You ben see Gravy. Stuff? Yeah. Well, he was on my US team. That in, in People don't even know he was on a US World Junior team. I was the coach. Yeah. Oh, no way. So cool. Ben Graff is his real name. Yeah. You know? 
He's from Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's super influenced and people follow him like crazy. Oh, yeah. I watch, and, and, and from a I, I subscribe to his vlog and I watch it, not religiously, but I watch it. Yeah, no, he does some funny shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's great stuff. Yeah. And, and that's what's cool outside of that really competitive. But server. you also have to, I think the brands, because of the now the power of the WSL, and it's not just about the competition, they become a network of surf culture. Notice that their programming now is a lot about not competition. Yeah, yeah. So they're building, it's a pla- they built the platform and building a bigger yeah. audience, like a TV station. The, the, it's not just about the competition. Piece. Yeah, that's right. Just right. One, right. That's just one piece of it now. And so I do think it's also important that you have an athlete on the yeah. on the big show because yeah. they're getting TV time with that logo. You know, now it's on Fox Sports Live. I mean, yeah. Barry Depp and I get up in the morning and turn the TV on at 6 a.m. and sit there for breakfast with our coffee watching. It's cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 I mean, I say that even have it on your laptop. You watch it on the big screen. Yeah. yeah. And if they could get rights to, I mean, in, in, you know, whether they want to do their own channel eventually or not, but they could, they could eventually fill a lot of content. <laughs> Hopefully, Ziff keeps underwriting it. Otherwise, there's going to be a lot of pro servers looking for real jobs. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Well, it's, it's so trippy, and we talk about this a lot. Like, the, the sport, the culture is more popular now, more participants now. Oh, surfboard sales are crazy. They're crazy. crazy, and there's way more participants. Too many people in the lineup. Get, and, right? that, and that's only going to get worse with the Olympics. I'm yeah. telling you right now. Yeah. Everybody's going to see like, oh, we were, that looks fun. You know, we, we uh, interviewed Jody Nelson, right? She's uh-huh. producing a lot of uh, yes. content for... Yeah, I've worked for her. I've yeah. worked for her. Uh, she's done a bunch of events. But it's, it's funny because like, okay, the NBA, right? It's, it's a, a professional organization and they're not really... I could, I'm told I could be wrong, but they're not like producing a bunch of content on their own. You know what I mean? Well, WSL is beginning to do more and more of that. Now they're doing all these different things where they've got guys out doing independent production. Right, right. You know, like a good a good example is uh, uh, Dylan Graves's Weird Waves. I love it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and, and, and WSL is underwriting those productions of those stuff. Okay. Because because we were talking about how like the WSL needs to do this, needs to do that. And if you took like a, a sporting organization like the NFL and the, the NBA and, and hockey, like are, they should do what those successful uh, organizations are doing, right? But then on top of that, you have ESPN, right? Yeah. And ESPN is not the NBA, but they're a, a sports, yeah. football, basketball, hockey, and they have color commentary and they're creating content, which I think that's, yeah, you know, what Stab is well, surf- starting to kind of be like. You know what I mean? Well, surfing isn't. We talk about this all the time. We grew up in a surf shop. We grew up at the beach. We we grew up embedded in the culture. in the sand, yeah. in the culture. And nowadays, you got all these different participants, and you could be a jock, so to say, like you know, a jock surfer, where you're into all kinds of other collegiate sports. Or you could be, you know, a, a lawyer, doctor guy that, hey, I'm hitting the, you know, the, the golf, you know, the, the country club and then I'm surfing and you got all these little like bubbles within surfing now. Like yeah. that's, they all need an identity within it. So I think WSL could cater to well, you guys are, you guys are, the content you, you a little guys bit. Are, 
you guys are also on the street in, in, yeah. in the trenches at, at brick and mortar. And, and look at the brand from San Diego, Uri, where that brand has come from. Out of yeah, nowhere. of Uri. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I just went to the guy's speaking engagement and sat in there and was yeah. blown away what, what they've done in five years. It's freaking crazy. Crazy. And, 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 and they're not, they make a surf trunk and they sell shitloads of them, right? They, they yeah. have the trunk for everything. It's yeah. the one trunk yeah. they have for everything. That, they're going to do 100 million this year. Yeah. Yeah. What? Five years. It's crazy. if you look on the, they, <laughs> and, and, and Dave Nash said it's one at the moment it's one of the best brands in San Diego. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you look at Patagonia. Right? Oh, yeah. Well, they they backdoored it. They can't. They came from the complete reverse. Yeah. Been around for a long, long time. It's yeah. just no one was accepted. That they was. Too it's kind of like Nike. Well, well, they were too early on the environmental thing for anyone to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's become a norm. Yeah. 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 And they're, I mean, and they're arguably... All, they've always made incredible product. Incredible oh, product. Yeah. Arguably, they could be the biggest surf brand. See, that's one of the things that'll save Ripco. Yeah. Is Kathmandu is the Patagonia of Australia. Yeah. yeah. So they aren't going to let Ripco's products... No, suffer. it's only going to get better. Like, yeah. you know, the product... That's, that's the danger with the Hurley one, is, is if those guys don't keep the product standard up, yeah. that, that's what'll screw them. Guys, yeah. And get a guy like poor Aaron with his brand store on the corner... Oh, <laughs> if yeah. they don't keep the product in there at the standard that Hurley's been at, yeah, right? yeah, they got to fill a big. Hole I, I respect Patagonia, but it it is kind of like how Nike infiltrated our market silently, but they did it. But Patagonia. they kind of, but they kind of failed with the Nike six point and that's for of, sure. Yeah. That's why we're seeing the the dismantling of the Hurley brand right now because yeah. all of that. Wage and salary got shaft, shafted down Hurley's throat. Yeah. And the new guys went, this is completely out of whack. Yeah. yeah. And they're, they're right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I see that they just re-signed Carissa back, though. Oh, they um, did? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, so and that's a step in the reverse of the dismantling. And yeah. Eli Henninen? Did they sign him back? They signed him yeah. back. Well, yeah. somebody suddenly woke up and yeah. they did all the he- heavy well, cutting. I think, I think they saw a lot of shops... Pretty much drop drop them immediately, or said we're dropping them soon. Yeah, or, you know, like. It's been well, what were, were you guys at Surf Expo? I was. Did you walk by the Hurley booth? I did not. I sent, you know, Bob and I a tight because I did that eight years as his confidant, so we have coffee every now and again. You know, Joy still owns his shareholding vacancy. vacancy coffee. Yeah. And we always get together for coffee there. <laughs> And I sent Bob a message from the Laura at Surfaco with a picture of the Hurley booth. And I went, I said, Bob, I went by. I didn't know anybody. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I didn't know one person in because in, I knew all the reps. I don't, yeah. think I don't think all of the reps have stayed on either. Yeah. I think it's a, it's it's unfortunate, but like you said, you've been in this business for a long, long time and you've seen iconic brands come and go where... I think the more interesting thing is what, what happens with the with the uh, the Vizzlers and the Rocks and the and the Salty Crews, you know, like the guys that aren't. Yeah, I'll take one more. The, the, yeah. the ones that aren't owned. Yeah. By corporate now. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, what? Uh, it's definitely a, a, a very. What's Bob's take on the whole? Oh, he's not happy. I know that. Well, that's why the whole family walked out because they actually wanted him to stay on. As a figurehead, yeah, it's his name, and uh, and they were going to compensate him Cheers. pretty good. But the thing was, is 
Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> Service. They were gonna, but but he just saw that he didn't want to be part of what happened in the next thirty days, which was the dismantling. That was heavy, right? A, a, yeah. Yeah. Sixty people getting let go, and he didn't want to be attached to that. Yeah. Nor did the boys. Yeah. You know. That, I mean, everybody that knows Bob and, and the Hurley family, and or worked for them, knows the loyalty and the and the camaraderie and the support. Yeah. You know, like. That's where you build a company, like to. But that's the way it's been with all of these brands we've all worked with. Always. Pat's and was no different. Yeah. When yeah. Conan and those guys started the yeah. thing, it was no different. Yeah. It's all about <laughs> yeah the the boys, you know, like right. providing. Um, what do you? I mean, what do you see like, you know, with the like you know the Vuaris and the and the Patagonia and stuff? Do you see other non-endemic brands trying to make their way in and be successful, or it's got to be very like specialty? I mean, well, I, I still think, at least in, in the in the context of the world, uh, if you're going to be a brand in the, in our world, you still have to make the hard goods, which is a good pair of trunks and a wetsuit. I yeah. can't see how you can avoid that, because that's how yeah. we go in the water. It's not like people are not going surfing. Yeah, it's a, it's a, the other part of that is is where where we go through these cycles of that is it's all the people who go to the beach also that don't necessarily they don't surf they go to the beach yeah and and that's probably where the breweries are doing really well that that guy that goes to the beach because he loves the beach yeah and he probably jumps in the water for a body surf or something or you know he might catch a wave once in a while but he's not like a core guy you know like, but he's a beach yeah. guy and yeah. chicks too the same thing with the chicks I mean, yeah. the women's divisions are, you know yeah. like yeah you gotta have an incredible branding and name and product and team and all yeah. of that regardless but if you could topple it with good you know fabrics and good design and good aesthetics like good story good story like yeah, yeah you're and i think on the girl side because that's what runners yeah she's on the girl side she's been 10 years she's pretty high up in the women's division of billamong australia the, the, the girls have to trace still a little bit the trend. I don't, sure. I don't think the male has to chase the trend as much. Not, no, you know, yeah. But the, the women's brands have to chase the trend. And these days it also is not as far out. Yeah. It's, it's so closer to delivery to discover what that trend is because of you know, what, yeah. what for, Forever 21 forced us all to go that direction. They yeah. can deliver so quick, you know. Yeah, and I think that... that Fast fashion, like you know, disposable definitely wear, died. is is died down a little bit. Well, and, and Forever Twenty One, as you guys know, is in big trouble. Yeah, you know? it's not as hip and cool. It was, it was a trend where everyone thought that you had to have something new every day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even H and M too is, is yeah. struggling. Well, it's the same company, I think. I don't think so. No, I thought they're owned by the same. But anyways, but just the 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 product quality that has been elevated. The the you know the the mindset of you know recycled materials and less footprint and is you know I just I think the whole industry has been the bar set high now you mm -hmm. know having these other brands infiltrate our market but just as you know kind of production has improved and, and new you know resources have gotten you know the resources have gotten better as far as streamlining recycled bottle board shorts you know like it's it's kind of cool it just the brands have to do a better job of exposing that and writing about it you know? well and the, and, the, and the brick and mortar retailers have to have a more experiential experience yeah of, of, I mean that's one of the reasons that, that surf and sport still to me you know you got, you got Java Point 
you know, you got Rita on the four in the morning, you know, this real surf guy that can real? talk that can talk real surf while you get your cup of coffee. Yeah. You know, yeah, customer did you, service. Did you have a surf yeah. today, you know, like I, I think with the times and I and I think, well, you're you you guys are part of it. I think the reps have gone back to having to be reps again where before they were just order takers. Yeah. <laughs> True. You, you know, there was a window of time where they just picked up the phone and just sent me some more stuff. They didn't even, they send me what you think's gonna sell, right? Yeah, yeah. And now it's right, and, and, and the retailer themselves has had to get their buying guys back in, in chicks in tune. Yeah. Yeah. Before they, were, they, were, they weren't doing the work that was necessary to put the right product in the store, yeah. Yeah. right? We've all had to kind of step back and get back to basics right. and, and do some grassroots things to, right explain yeah. it you know to the end consumer you know yeah. on the on the grassroots yeah. level well you got you got it's no different she's it's no different that's i said if you can't smell the wax <laughs> it's not a shop that you want to hang out in if, yeah, you're, right. if you're a surfer right yeah <laughs> if you can't smell the wax if there's not a smell of the wax and a wet wetsuit around somewhere you're hanging out the front <laughs> over the over the rental board rack right yeah <laughs> true i mean there's that's that's where I like to be. That's my happy place, right there. Or you can go the other way. You can you can you, you know you can go the Jack's way, which is the warm in my iPhone and the Walmart. You can get any any product in the world from from a Jack's, but you know, and not to say there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, but, no. but but it's a different formula. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mega shop. I gotta hand it to those guys though. They they've come a long way as far as like. Uh, oh, yeah. And they do a they do a ton for, you know the you know. Whether it benefits them or not, I mean, obviously you want to invest in, in marketing and, and, and yeah. events and everything. That's got to tie back to, you know, retail dollars. So, you know, Service Board and Jacks tap into the U.S. Open. You know, they tap into, you know, all the local events. Whether it's the air show, we, you know, we we live in a very very unique place that a lot yeah, of Jacks has got, um, you know, Jacks Pro and WSL fifteen hundred coming up next month yeah. yeah and that's a huge event and that costs them Aaron, a ton Aaron, of money Aaron backs the high school surf team that's like different formulas yeah different formulas yeah. and there's yeah there, there's not one way or the highway there's different ways to massage it in but those those two shops well, I call that the Times Square yeah like, are, there's nowhere in the world there's nowhere else where there's two big retail on the coast highway doing that much volume yeah right? nowhere in the world yeah. nowhere <laughs> Nowhere, <laughs> nowhere, and we cover a lot of other areas. Areas, yeah. <laughs> and you know the numbers, yeah. You know? <laughs> um, this question just popped up in my in my mind. In in your lifetime, what year, what wave, what place was like your most memorable, where you were on top of your game? That's a funny question, but it's well, I mean. I, I, because PT is a fucking world champion, <laughs> and I, I want to hear like that, that, that question got asked last night. Oh, really? At, at this thing of Hackman. Oh, you're you're Paul's, tuned up then. Paul Stroud because it's going to change. Everyone, it better not change. <laughs> everyone, everyone kind of said it's hard to identify one, right? Like like a, a memorable wave, or, or biggest wave. Someone asked, and, and Philippe Flomar's answer for that was the best because. Buzzy Trent said a long time ago, big waves are not measured by the size of the wave, but in, in increments of fear. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good how, analogy. How, how terrified yeah. were you? That tells you how big it was, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Linda gets terrified in like, you know, six foot Huntington. So, I don't know. Six yeah, and a half, bro. Depends on who you're asking. When it's six and a half, well, that's no, what I don't surf over four feet anymore. I'm back to being the four foot and under man. Get it all. I'm right there with you. No, it's got to be civilized now. I'm not going to beat myself up anymore. So, how, how old were you when you were like, I rode one. I rode by mirror on that day, which was the biggest waves ever about out in my life. Which was with Hackman. He was in that final, and it, it was it was thirty to forty feet, and I was twenty years old. So that's you know. <laughs> and I'd never been out there before. That was my first time out. First there. time in Wyoming. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even understand that. Like, I mean, I've been out at some big sunset, but not. 30 to 40 foot white mirror with close out sets. You know, yeah, like. yeah. <laughs> different. A little different. So you've been to J-Bay, right? Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't have a good experience at J-Bay though. It's one place that if, uh, if I was younger, I'd want to go back and surf again. I went there with Michael Thompson and, um, and we drove the Transkai in those days. You, you drove down Coffee there. Bay. And uh, then there was only one hotel, the beach house. And my first session at J-Bay... I broke my board in half, got food poisoning, and and, uh, and I never went back to Jay Bay. Yeah. And then I went to South Africa many more times. I won a WSL event at the Bay of Plenty with the unreal perfect right-handers. Yeah. And then there's other spots down the coast, like Secret Spot and places like that, where the waves get really good too, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's one place that I wish I was still skillful enough to go back and surf. Give it a try. It. Yeah. My, fir- my first session there, and I think I've said it before, I, I got about this close, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying like a hair, and I don't have that, but Mark Akalupo Aki, and that right, with the sun rising, you pretty much can't see, and he, I thought he saw me, you know, I'm like, it's, it's Aki, and he literally turned with like, I felt fins like just grazing, grazing face everywhere, yeah, like just, I, I, I felt like, like somebody swish, like I was like whole, like I thought I was dead, and then nobody told me how to get in, and <laughs> yeah. I got just lower tide, and I just got destroyed on the on the on the rocks, reef, rocks there, and oh, it was pretty. So boring. it's hard to identify one, but uh, but I, I you know I, I've been working on I've never done a book, and everyone keeps bugging me. And oh, that's gonna be amazing. And uh, especially and, you got all your pictures and stuff. Right, and and one of the things that I'm gonna have in the 10 greatest sessions. That'd be cool. Instead of... Bro, that's, that's my question. Right. Yeah. Right? Like, so, what was your best moments in... Well, there's a few. There's, there's a session at Cura. There's that day at Waimea. I mean, it has, it has to be in there. Uh, there was a session at Honolulu Bay in the 70s that mm. I went over to stay with Lopez. And uh, we had Honolulu as good as you will ever see it. You know, like 8 to 10 foot of perfect conditions and not too crowded so it was, yeah. it was manageable uh, uh, Super Bowl Sunday at Huntington right that yeah. was in like 84 uh, somewhere around there that uh, <laughs> was it 84 no there was another one well that was way before like I remember it <laughs> the, the, the Downey Brothers there was one in probably like the night hey, early this 90s is, this is shows about no, PT um, Super Bowl Sunday is a very one day a year yeah. there's multiple well, tell us about that Super Bowl well Sunday. that day was, it, it, it was uh there was offshore winds in the morning and it was a pretty strong north swell but it was a full moon tide and so nobody had really gone out at all and and uh, i right at the 
uh, tau zero t, you could see the right in the kitty bowl on the inside, but it was pushing this way. But it would come in because of the way they were tight outside, and it would stand up, and then it would push this way, and then it would stand and just fold. And I, <laughs> I'm there with Downey, and Peter Brillier turned up, and uh, and Brillier goes, oh, "Look at the conditions! Come on, you guys, you need to go out." So we get our suits on, we go out, and and the inside section for the probably an hour and a half, two hours is just all stand-up barrels every wow. every way. Jerry Boyd was another one that was out. Right. There was only a few of us. And then everyone started to see us getting these ways, and then it got crowded up. But the first hour, there was just. Every wave was just stand-up barrel. Honey, Tim made top ten. I like it. Right? Yeah. Every once in a while, every every full moon, every decade, you know, you might get that one session. Uh, The other one that is a session was a boat trip with Giant Tosh. We went to Indo. Sick. And uh, we, under Jerry's, under Lopez's advice, we didn't go south. We went north. We went the opposite direction, and we went to Neos and and, uh, Abrolis and and. Asu and all those other places up that way and the ways that we got you know like ridiculous and uh and uh, I uh, just it was for my 50th birthday and those guys were now what uh 19 and 22 and and, and, and they were in and, their and, prime and the man the mantle got passed they outsurfed their dad on that trip <laughs> hey that's fine <laughs> I, I would have to see footage i don't know <laughs> that's fine huh just hey good i don't good. think that that trip uh how cool to go on your Bur- a day at burley rabbit no no one out eight to ten foot burley who got there early in the morning you've seen it in some of the old surf movies where it's like backlit and it's just every wave's just barrel we're just standing yep. there trimming and it's th- right it, it's thick at the top well just like getting the, out of yeah. out in the cove we just had to jump off around yeah. the cove when it's that big and right and that day was pretty incredible when that one that day's captured on film rabbit and were the only ones out and, and then later on it, it got a little bit smaller and stuff and when the more crew came out let's see what else is there too many to remember huh yeah, I, I wrote them down somewhere, but but yeah, there's been sessions versus, you know. Yeah, that's so sick. What there's been one or Tabby? two ways. What about there's Tabby? a way. Yeah, yeah. Well, the bet I had the best lefts at restaurants from one of those rusty videos. If you remember the one rusty video with Pat O'Connor, Kalani, and Taylor oh, Knox. Yeah. Restaurants as good as you'll. Playground ever was it called? Playground. Playgrounds. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, and then uh, let's see, a, a way a wave. I had one wave at Backdoor that uh, uh, is in the 70s, in the, in the mid 70s, and it was, I had a, one of the best bigger wave boards I ever made. I made a beautiful 7.6, narrow diamond tail, like nearly a pintail, but a diamond tail like this, and a single. And uh, it was one of those days where it was kind of a, a bit mix of a west and a north, but, but it was chunky, kind of, but glassy. and. Uh, and Lopez called up, you know, it's when he was living in the Lopez house. He says, hey, he says, PT, I see some waves out here. There's no one out. Get down here. He says, I was up at Turtle Bay. So I drive down and no one's still out and, and, and there's wedges coming through. But, you know, it's some pretty serious shit. I mean, it's solid. I mean, 10, 12 foot. He says, let's go. I go, okay. So we, we paddle out and uh, Jerry gets... A, a, a westiest one and get kicks out, comes back out, and, and uh, I get a, I get one left. Yeah, I get one left, 
and uh, didn't need shit, made it, come back out, and then they're sitting now. The two other guys have paddled out. There's four of us, and then like a four day, back door right. of pipe. Oh my yeah. god! This is the middle seventies, and then and then because uh, when it's like that, most people have gone to sunset. Yeah, you know, like and so all of a sudden one of those ones comes a little bit from the north that comes this way and, and like this, we're like sitting this close together he goes hey you go here's the right come on yeah. this is yours yeah, yeah. Okay, well, you're, you're, right. you're going right yeah, yeah. so I went oh fuck I better go so I swing around and I paddle and I got in kind of nice and uh, I have it on film sick oh. yeah, Greg Huglin was down the beach what? And I have it on film, and uh, I came off the bottom with classic soul arts, the full full turn, and, and is it pull. the one that's iconic picture? The no, no, no. I pull I, I I pull up, and luckily that board had such a narrow tail, and and now I got it in trim and slot, and the thing just ropes by me, like just ropes by me. Like you're standing there and the waves just going. It just went, yeah, just right. I didn't have any like real speed because single dudes didn't have that planning to yeah. give you the speed. <laughs> and now I'm in there, you know, like and and locked and loaded. Whoosh, the, spit. the spit went by me. And, still in it. And I'm I'm still on my board. I'm still stand, I'm still going forward and I can't see shit. <laughs> and, and, and and out of the spit and the spray I come I come out and just blows me out, right? And, wow. and, and I just cruise over the over the back, right? And you're that, looking at you're looking at Jerry going Yeah, so I have that double one, shockers. I, I have that one on film. That was the only ride I got that day. You know, because it was more than one. Thanks, Jerry. So Thanks for the out, of, out of all the when you were highly competitive, right? Who were the guys that you were like had a vendetta against? Like I never had vendettas just... against one, but the one guy, the one guy, I, I had a pretty good record against MR. I mean, we're, man on man, we're pretty goal. even. We're pretty even. I was one of the few guys that could beat him because there was no priority rule, and it hassled the shit out of me. <laughs> you know, the long arms, he caught everything. <laughs> but uh, but uh, the one guy that that. Throughout, and we're we're really good mates today. Is Michael O, because we're the same sort of statue, mm-hmm. and we'd either beat each other by some sneaky barrel, like and 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 it always seemed like he got the better sneaky barrel than the sneaky barrel I got, <laughs> and he got me more times than not. Even even all the way to competing in the Masters, yeah. <laughs> I lost to him in France in the quarterfinals. Same thing, sneaky barrels. Yeah, but, and, and, yeah. and uh, he, he was really he was really hard to beat. And, uh, and I have an interesting record with Simon. We go all the way back to high school competition in 1970. Wow. <laughs> Simon. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so, like, he created the thruster, right? Yeah. First yeah. time he ever rode it at Huntington Beach. No really? way. Yeah. I thought he busted it out at Bells. No, he no? was here with it before that. Wow. Caton, January 1981. He walked down the beach at, at, after we'd been away with a, sure, with a like, thruster. Look at this coop. I can't wait. That's to exactly what the people were going. <laughs> they're all going. Look, here, look at hey, this. It doesn't matter how many you put on. You're still so going to lose. Thruster? People over here really didn't know Simon at that yeah. point too much either. Right? Thruster was created or created, but 
first so tested went, in, in the U.S. in Huntington? Oh, no, he had written one already. No, he no, just his first never, contest. He like, first contested anyone had seen one in a contest. Oh, wow. And then from that, Caton, he, he didn't do that well in the Caton. I think he got through a few rounds. And then from there, he went on to win Bells, the Coke, and Pipe Masters on the Thruster all in the same year. Yeah. And then everyone, the next winner, next year, everyone out of it. Hey, make me one of those, bro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, we were straight down to, I was straight down to Rusty to get him to make me a Canyon, Canyon's Rusty, right? That is so crazy. I can only see, see you guys looking at him and fins and be like, dude, you need, you're going to need more, more, a couple more fins than that. Yeah. Well, next year's the 30th anniversary of that. Thruster? Crazy. Really? Wow. 30th? No, it'd be 40th. 40th. 40th anniversary. 40th. Yeah, that's so amazing. Hey, I mean, there's no better setup. This guy likes twin fins. I like quads every once in a while. Yeah, but we all go back to a thruster at some point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's good to mix it up because you you, you generate different speeds at different moves and different lines, and it just just you know whatever inspires you to get out there. That's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. Have you tried any of the wave pools yet yourself? Well, I rode wave pools long before anybody else. <laughs> I was at Geauga Lake Wave Pool in, in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, Ohio in Cleveland, 19, Ohio? 1984. I uh, never knew there was a fucking wave pool in Cleveland, Ohio. It was one of the first ones besides Tempe, Arizona in 69. I remember. Didn't Kern win one of those? Did, wasn't yeah, there? Carol well, won no, one. Kelly Slater won the one at. At Irvine Meta, at Irvine. Irvine. That was a Bud Tour, right? Yeah, that was a Bud Tour. Oh my gosh. I surfed that but one. But Allentown, Pennsylvania. I, I wasn't in that one. I was okay. retired by that point. But then, then I did a bunch of wave pool tours and, and I was a consultant for the first ty- the Typhoon Lagoon at Disney in Florida. Because I had been to the Geauga Lake one. There was another one in Memphis. And there was one. There's a wave pool in Memphis? Yeah. <laughs> this is in the 80s. So crazy. It's so bizarre to hear this kind of stuff because it's they like yeah. it's like when we were first talking about wave pools, like how there's right. going to be thirty, right? right? We all thought we were going to be in flying cars at this day and age too. But <laughs> but well, remember they, back they in the day, they have them in China already. In ska- flying cars, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh shit! But you know, skateboarding. There's so many skate parks. Hey, so while I'm here, I, I'm I'm looking for something on the wave pool for thing. But you guys were asking about that day one Waimea. That's the drop at Waimea oh on, that, my on, gosh. On, on that day. That's you not, can't even see the you top. You can't even see the top. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, st- there's still like about a third of the way that's probably like <laughs> curling over. I that's, take, that, that's the actual idea. Can we take a pause? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just. That is so weird that there was wave pools. Well, the first one was in Tempe, time. Arizona in the late 60s. Fred Hemmings was the 68 world champ. In the and 60s? Him, and him and Cork. Well, Japan had one too. And Corky Carroll went out, and Fred Emmings went out and rode the one in Tempe. I have the images and some movies of those guys surfing out there in the 69. What the hell? It's still there. Wow. <laughs> That's, I mean... It's so funny. What, I mean, what, what put it, you know, what put wave pools, like, kind of on hiatus for so long? Like, what, in this cost and, you know... Cost like, is one of the things. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean... I guess the the R and D like the development is built yeah, into the cost. Well, that, you know, I mean like, Slater's pool. You know, it was ten years of development before they got the one they've got out there now. Yeah, I'm sure you guys have been up to that one, right? Um, I have not. I've been twice, but I didn't ride it. Yeah, I've been 
I'm, I'm too worried that I'm going to screw the take-up up. When you get to my age, yeah. it's all about this rabbit says the pop-up. T, you're fucking natural, though. You get... No, no, you wait till you get a little extra weight and stuff. It's not as simple as that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> add, add another foot to the board. Yeah. No, I have. I, got a ten, I ride a 10-foot board now, single fin, pointy nose, not a mal. Yeah. Like a, one of those skip fries, but Dick Van Stralen yeah. made for me in Australia. Beautiful single fin with the V all the way. The glider. The glider, I like it. And on, awesome. on Kira and Noosa points, when it's two to three foot, and just stand there and trim at high speed, you make every wave. <laughs> Still like a kid though, when you're on, when you stand there, no care what board you're on and what you're doing, like every as all Her- your pro- everything just stops and you go into like just. As Herbie said, when you get you guys get to where we're at, it's not about ripping anymore. Yeah. It's about the feel of the glide. Feel of the glide. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. the feel of the glide. It's crazy. Um, you. What? <laughs> I love the feel of the glide. I do. <laughs> Shut up, Lar. <laughs> um, we'll leave it at that. Next. <laughs> so, West Coast board riders. Yeah. Like, I mean, we're super excited that I was down there on the weekend. Yeah. yeah, I know. I saw you, but we're so excited that that's like a thing that's happening and. The success and the energy and, and the involvement up in Well, I grew, I grew up in that culture. And that's, right? yeah. And, and, it, and, just, and it's still to this day. Uh, it's still, they just held, they have what's called is the nudie board riders. Yeah. And, and they just held the, the national championship for clubs at, at Newcastle. In the, and winning club, I was telling those guys the other day, the winning club wins 20 grand. That's so I mean, amazing. I mean, <laughs> it's serious. But one of the things that's going to evolve here that I don't think's evolved with the clubs here, because I live with Pat Downey and he's yeah. president of Huntington. Yeah. Right? And uh, one of the things that is the next thing that needs to happen with that is is the all of you guys have got kids. Yeah. You guys need to develop the, the, the youth. The youth piece yeah. of it. Like Snapper Rocks, every month has the Sunday 10 and unders. Yeah, and it's only mm. for the kids standing under. Yeah, and they and you see all these little guys and girls with their boards and their mums and dads helping them out, and, and they and and the prizes are not trophies; yeah. they're big chocolate bars. Yeah, <laughs> I think nice, <laughs> nice and, and easy, so and, 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 that, and that club culture just permeates all all the way through the whole the whole club. Yeah, right now, right now, I mean the whole the whole because because uh, Ziggy Ziggy and and. We tried to get me involved in the very beginning, yeah. And it was too much about them wanting to still be relevant as com- competitors. I go, no, that's not yeah. what the clubs are about. Yeah, yeah. I go, it's about developing. Uh, 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 the well, it's about the, no, it's about the community. Community, piece. and also the confusion with that they were using it as a as a as a marketing exercise for Sport of Kings. And I go, yeah. the the other brands and stuff, I kind of want to get involved with it. It's yeah. all about yeah, Sport of Kings. Yeah. And when Don Meek got involved, and then he brought Brillo in. They've separated that part out, and those yeah. guys aren't in control anymore. Yeah. And that's why it's all of a sudden. Like, I mean, the vibe was insane on, on when I was down Saturday, there the other day. Yeah. That, yeah. You know, I, I was because I know well, I know all the clubs. You know, like For I'm sure. over there hanging out with the Dana Point guys with Pat, and <laughs> you know, yeah. And, yeah. and it, it's I mean, going back to what you said, you know, it's it's a it's another tool. To help develop the, oh, I think it's really good for, for but, specialty retail, and and that's more yeah. importantly where we see the, the benefits, and that's why we talk about it so highly is the involvement, where it's partnered with shops. Each community has got their local shop that's funneling through, whether they're bringing in local restaurants, local like you know food and beverage, and 
you know, these clubs are hosting like a meeting once a month. Yeah. You know, I'd like to see some more workouts or, you know, little smaller yeah. events within the club. And I think other, you know, outside of Huntington, I think some of the other clubs are, are doing, doing better, that, yeah. better than us. But, um, you know, for, for me, you know, I've been retired from surfing so, for 20 years, but now I'm seeing all my friends. And a lot yeah, of guys that are now in the industry as reps and stuff, and, all down at the beach together, right? Yeah. And bragging rights, and, right? And, yeah. and, I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, and that's the kind of the most rewarding the, thing out of winning a contest these days. Yeah, it, makes, it makes you have to like, whoa, I got to step up my game. Yeah. But, you know, all these guys that, you know, you see contact with, maybe we follow on Instagram, Facebook and stuff. But when we're at the beach, it feels like 20 years wasn't 20 years like right. I see you know we, I see well, each I, other I, and then now you know like, who my other roommate is is, is Barry Diffenbach yeah. right? so I'll go up in the house with us like yeah Frothers Frothers <laughs> and uh but just the everybody's got families it's a family atmosphere and everybody's down there I mean ultimately it's super competitive but yeah. it's just yeah but, when it, but when it when it what, what was cool is Especially in the older divisions, yeah, is is uh, when somebody on one of the teams gets a good wave and they're huffing and puffing to get yeah. to the freaking tag. <laughs> oh, uh, I was going, yeah. hey, we need an oxygenator. He's going to yeah. need some oxygen when he gets here, yeah. right? Those forties <laughs> and fifties, you better not leave like well, like seconds left on the clock. Well, well, there's one of those is who I do work with in in this Chris Morrow, and you know he's gained a little bit of weight, and he was huffing and puffing yeah. to get back the tag booth. He's yelling <laughs> at him, right? Booth. You know, <laughs> if it gets these guys in well, shape, no, that's all good stuff. It's all good. Yeah. It's all that's positive. All good everything, stuff. everything down there, and then you have a party and beers after, and we're all hanging out, and all the kids are tearing it up on skating, the sideline, and yeah. you know, like it's just a really great. No, no, it's I love super, it. super yeah. healthy for yeah. the for the the. the well, eventually they'll get it nationally, but at the moment it's Cal. I mean, they've grown, they've expanded it. You know, what, what? There's 20 teams this year, I think. Yeah, you probably. Yeah, uh, I mean, and the East Coast, Coast is going to start. Yeah, the East Coast is going to have a couple of teams this year. Yeah. And the Jersey. finals is in lowers. Yeah, they got lowers. Yeah, they got lowers Thanks for Ella and Don. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's insane. I I, I'm, I'm I think it's healthy. healthy. I just it's think healthy. it's healthy. Yeah. It's healthy for all the people come in it, and it's healthy for business too. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it gives you a. a, a and it goes back to the youth and, you know, how crazy, you know, half of the kids now are stay home. They have a, a video coach and a, a, a manager and well, the parents I, are all involved. I, I think there's one other bigger issue, too, because I live in a house where it's happened is, is you don't have ODs like Pat's kid. Oh, yeah. Man. Because they, they, when, when we got that, that club and that community, that allows us all of us to keep an eye on that Everybody. shit. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know if you were at the tribute when, oh, when, when I when I called those fuckers out. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and I, we had to get we rid know, of those fuckers. Yeah. Because we know who they are. Yeah. We know who's feeding this shit to our kids. Yeah. Right? And and and, 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 and you probably heard what, and, you probably and, heard what and, I said. I go, house. we don't need any more micas being killed by these fuckers. Yeah. yeah. No. That's true. Because, I it, it was... because it's an addictive personality, but what it is is also the easy access because of these guys. Yeah, that they can it's... get to it easy, right? Yeah. And, and 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 you know, in my case, it's really close to home because my younger brother, you know, died of heroin. You oh. know? It's so uh, yeah, it's, it's... And, and and in my house, I was the first one to see Pat that morning yeah. oh my God. when they found Micah dead. 
Oh, it's been a, a hard time in our house because yeah. he has good days and bad days, you know. Yeah, I don't think there would ever be. Well, you can't kind of imagine no. that, that you're your own kid, you know. Yeah, yeah. and and I I like what you said. You know, it's like we're bringing it all together, and the the. The saying is, it takes, well, a, in our, in our, it takes a village to... Yeah, well, in the case of, say, Snapper Rocks, because some bad shit happened a few years ago where uh, one of the guys in the club nearly beat Rabbit's kid to death over, over a oh, chicken. He, he, he was a drug guy, and that guy got fucking run out of town in a hurry. Yeah. yeah. And it was because of the club. The club, the club ran him out of town. Yeah, yeah. He just and was that's, not wel- it was just not welcome anymore. And that's the power of community. He, and this he is, wasn't from yeah. from Coolangatta. He was a blowing. He'd been there a while, but he was the guy that was feeding drugs to people. And yeah, you know. blowing. I love it. I love that. But uh, but no, the power of community. And and you know, going back to, it's a relatively inexpensive membership. You get so much benefit out of it, and and you got guys and peers of, uh, you know, whether it's a decade or two helping these right. kids yeah you know like we all want these kids to succeed we want to be all ripped you know it's a everybody wants to win i mean well, that's no, and it's good to see guys that are just fresh off tour like simpo and then oh. i heard timmy ray showed up because I, I i let i had left when he turned up you Bro, know when, when the 30s and 40s went out yeah because newport had a, a huge lead yeah and huntington came, came back, back swinging <laughs> but then tyler gunther Bitch slapped everybody with his double whammy eight point one seven and shut the <laughs> shut the, the comeback. We back. we had we had it was close. We needed them all choke and we were hey, one you, upping almost. But you guys got second. Yeah, we yeah. did. And we're in the it's the top the two. Se- it's the two yeah. top teams, right? To the, yeah. to to, to go to to go to lowers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it. It's, we're, we're in the ratings. It's it's <laughs> you know what they saw is it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, right, we're, exactly. you know we're we're in that like we're in that bubble. Yeah. <laughs> But we shouldn't be losing at our home court, like no. ever, bro, ever, no. ever, <laughs> ever. Yeah. Come on, yeah. Brillo and, and Newport didn't lose in Newport. No, they didn't. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but uh, I mean, we're stoked to be a part of it, and, and um, I think, it, like you said, it's healthy for the industry and, and community yeah and, and, and the community and the shops and and and, and all of that and, it and gives the other the other part that why i keep bringing up the youth thing it, it it keeps those kids from going down the wrong track yeah yeah because they, then they know who the other adults and parents are that can come back to someone like if, you, if they see your kid in some place you shouldn't be yeah. aj lark yeah i just saw you I, yeah. I, I just saw your kid hanging with not the my kids. No, yeah. I'm just no, kidding. No, 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 for sure. Shit happens, man. Yeah. You think you think giant <laughs> That's the scariest angel, thing you ever. You think giant toss for angels to bring up? Yeah. Like, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no. that's gotta Jai, be. Jai ended up in juvenile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It. It's. Uh, you know, peer pressure and all that, but I mean, we need all the help we can get raising yeah. our kids. Oh yeah, so it's, it's the most, it's, diffi- most difficult job in life. It's the yeah. most difficult job in life. I say, I say, I say, if you can get your kids through high school into college, and then to be gainfully employed, good citizens, and not in jail, you yeah. did a good job. Yeah, <laughs> good job. yeah. Yes, yes, please yeah. sign me up. No, everyone would sign up yeah. there, but sign up for that channel. Yeah. So we know you're a super fan of surfing. You've been following everything forever. Do you, Do you play fantasy surfer? No, no. But we have in our household. Yeah. 
we have the bet for Duke's dinner. Okay. And, and What's that? There, there's, now there's 11 tournaments a year in the WSL, yeah. like on the tour. You have to pick the winner. At the, oh, the, the, the no, world the, champ? No, no, the, oh. of each event. Oh, well, the winner so of 11 each times event. a year. So you have to pick you, the winner. And you guys mark down how many no, winners no, no, you've no, got. Right. But, with, but every time, after each one, if you do pick the winner, you gotta buy the other dinner. guys have to take you to Dukes and pay for everything. That's beautiful. <laughs> and and we, we go usually, out of last year, we went six of 11 times. One of us had picked the winner. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's pretty cool. What was your record? I got two. I had a, I had a win with, uh, with uh, Medina. I had one win with Medina. That's a good call. <laughs> I'd probably pick him for almost everything. <laughs> uh, and who, the other, the other win, someone had a tallow. Do you guys draw straws on like who? No, no, yes. Yeah, the the guy, the guy who lost, the guy who who won, has to go last. Oh, uh, so right, you get first pick, yeah. All right, that's pretty good. Right. What's your predictions this year? I fucking Medina's insane. <laughs> insane. Yeah. There's, uh, I mean, you got to love him to hate him. He's like John McEnroe. I mean, who would think of deliberately dropping in? I yeah. don't want another one. Well, well, let's just say I, 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 I got only someone that's that, that in tune with his competitive prowess to want want to win. Doesn't matter what it, right? Kelly, Kelly's the only one I've known that is like that, and right. he won eleven titles. So right. I think this guy's young enough and, and smart yeah. enough and good enough to win. He's gonna win. You guys are gonna pick him over John John? Well, no, but I certain, certain John John's reasons. incredible. But 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 I don't think he has the mental staying power. He, if he hadn't got injured, he probably would have won last year. Yeah. But I think well, we'll see. He might be hungry now that he just departed from the whole Hurley thing, and and he, and he might want to prove to everybody, I don't need Hurley's money. You know, like we'll see. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think it's super healthy to have. I mean, there's. You could say there's. Three in the mix, and the always, other, or and five the or ten. You do you know, think the, the, other, the, other, the, the other guy... Well, yeah. there's two guys that I think their window's shutting. That, that Jordan, 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 Jordan. Yeah. You know exactly yeah. who I was going to say. The JJs. Yeah. Jordan, I, I coached Jordan. against them when they yeah. came first and second in yeah. the ISA World Games in Brazil in 1996. I yeah. coached against the two of them. Yeah. Uh, who were you coaching? I had, uh, I had the uh, Geiselman brothers... Uh, Chloe, Chloe was twelve. I had to convince his mother to let me take him to Brazil. <laughs> uh, who else was in there? Corey Arambidi was right in there, mm. and the older guys in was right in there. They both were in the top ten. And yeah. then I had uh, Sage and Courtney wow. in, the, in the women. And I had a good women team, but we didn't we didn't do that good. But those guys came first and second. Those two's their windows running out. They're both thirty one this year. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know they're starting you get, families, or you know, yeah, you, you, just, got, you got you got you got you got a tallow. Oh my yeah. god, that guy's bloody insane. The confidence uh, and then the other and the other guy, of him is just the other guy's Philippe Toledo. Oh my true. god, technically, I don't think he's gonna ever win a world championship though. He could be the ta- modern day Taz Burrow. He's Taz the Burrow. modern day Taz Burrow. Ta- Taz Burrow was the greatest guy that never won a world title. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Other than in my era, Shane Aran. Shane yeah. Aran went four times second. But, yeah. but I think Aran. I think Philippe has like the mindset on how to win, and he's got to improve at a couple locations. But he 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 steps up. 
like every time, like I feel like he rises to the occasion a lot, like most often than not, you know, yeah, he still needs to, you know, prove himself in some heavier, like, you know, slabs and stuff. But I just think he's mentally there and he just, he's just got to get more confident. And the other, other, the chicks are going to be interesting this year because yeah. Carissa's out. She's yeah. not going to compete. Take so that open, that, you know, like Courtney's window is going to close soon if she doesn't. Yeah. You know, she's had some unlucky things with injury and stuff. Yeah. But she's good enough to win a world title. Yeah. And the other one is Sally Fitzgibbons. My God, she's some guy so close. She's time. always the bridesmaid sure. and never the bride. And, and, yeah. and then, is and Stephanie then, going full bore? Yeah, she's this going year? full bore. She wants to win eight, so she beats. Honestly, Blank. I love the way she oh, serves. No, she's beautiful. Yeah. She serves. Well, I went to school with her dad. Yeah. Okay. We went to high school together. Yeah, she rips. But I mean, yeah, we got a lot of rookies, a lot of really raw new talent like coming on tour this year, and um, I'm excited. I Jack think. Robinson. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how he goes against the big boys. Yeah. It's a whole lot different when you get in the man on man, and yeah. you got 40 minute heats, and it's you got to be. A, and you get Kelly Slater, and you get Kelly Slater. You got to be a tactician. <laughs> yeah. You got to. So, what's your take on where? Kelly Slater? Well, he's retire got it. already, dude. Just well, no, kidding. Hey, I didn't said, say your take. I said he his said, take. He said, if you saw the post today, he, I saw he, that. he's chasing it. He's going to chase it hard. And uh, from what I hear, uh, and I hear that also from some people on the ground on the North Shore right now. He's training. He's training like yeah. crazy with boards and stuff. And he's yeah. like serious, you know. Like it, and the, that's I, I think, I think he's a little... I think the motivation is he's pissed he didn't get in the Olympic team. He missed by one eight. Yeah. And so he's going to prove to everybody, well, fuck you, I should have been in that team. <laughs> it should have been uh, just the, the, the golden... But, but, golden it, but he has to get off to a good start. Yeah. Because if he doesn't come out swinging at, at Snapper Rocks yeah. and Bells and Margaret River, if he doesn't come out swinging with some, like, I'm in the you know, th- top three or four guys, you know, like, yeah. the other guys are going to get the medal thing on and, 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 and just go, he's done. No, they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll, and, and that just boosts... An yeah. athlete's confidence. You, yeah, and you go, I'm not fucking scared of you. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's he, like Medina. Medina's not scared of him. He don't give a fuck what you say to him, right? It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> he needs his confidence. Like, he needs, yeah. It's crazy because when you, when you think about like the last three years, right? He was kind of like on the outs, right? <laughs> but free surfing, he just looks so good all the time, right? George Cassandra. I, I was just gonna say, like, I just emptied it today, Joe. Loud. Oh my god! Ten more thick look, ones in look, there. Look at this, dude. But but remember, like, your back problems are right there. No, no, I have front pocket. I stopped. I was having hip problems on the back pocket, and I had to switch. Doctor said switch it in your front pocket. That's so funny. Do you, do you know you could pretty much load everything into this? Yeah, but <laughs> I know that. Jai gives me that kind of shit all the time, Jack. <laughs> I love it. It's old school right there. I don't even know if... Where, where do you get a wallet that can hold on? Straight. Look, it's got Australian map on yeah. it. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, like, watching all the recent clips of him surfing, he's yeah. still on oh, top no. well, of the world. How was he in the world? triple crown? He was ridiculous in the triple crown. Yeah. Like, you, he, he's good. Like he's the, still the, so the first, yeah. the first he, got, he kind of under, underscored he, a few he, events. Yeah, no, the, the, the first event in Halle Evo. Yeah. He got underscored at, at Halle Evo. Yeah. There was one wave he had at Halle Evo, and he was on a small board, and it was big. And that's the problem that I think he's had is, a, is equipment. 
He rips everybody free says, surfing. Everybody says that. Yeah. But but you got you got to understand. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. And he's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's just he's not in that traditional mindset. Like he's. But he he's trying like, to draw different. But lines. he doesn't like to play it safe. He's never been that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> never. But I, he's, I'm he's still one of the best to fucking watch. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's still, you know, like, it's like the, the analogy I have at the moment is everybody is with, is with LeBron James. Yeah. I mean, how good was he the other night? He scored 41 fucking points. Yeah. I mean, he, there was no guy that was better he, in the world that night, right? Yeah. No, he is, <laughs> he's a specimen, you know? Like, you look at these guys and, you know... Kelly's a specimen. Physique, LeBron's but just knowledge and, and just everything, the game, they're not, you know, they, they're good. Tech, tactician. Kelly's a... Yeah. He has a mental thing, but he's still physically in incredible shape, and he, and, he, and his ability to—I mean, his aerial game is—he he's got a better aerial game than half the guys in the top fucking thirty-four. <laughs> yeah, very the guys. True. He's got better aerial game than he could be their dads. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right? crazy. That's what I'm telling my kid. I'm like, I'm gonna freaking outsurf you. I've not only done, only ever done an aerial by accident. Yeah, I think I've done one by accident as well. Yeah, Lennon, keep it, keep your rail in the water. Yeah. <laughs> this guy gets two hurt surfing all the time. We talk about that all the time. He's injury prone. So if you want me to send you some support images, because I don't know if you run that in your podcast, yeah. but a lot of this stuff you t- we talk about, oh, yeah. I can send you images that attach. Oh yeah, we love it. I'll show yeah. you uh, af- after we're done. I'll show well, you. I'll take this podcast. with me so I remember yeah. Yeah. different things that I because uh, sure. I I have a pretty good image library because yeah. you're doing the I love it the that's, surfing walk of fame and that's thing. that's impressive for like you know 90% of your history was before the yeah. you know computer yeah, well I have before social media social media you see every media. now and again I post what's yeah. called PT collection I have four storage units of, mem- of memorabilia so, so cool. do you have an Instagram account? no because yeah. you me all the time I just, yeah Jai started I one did, for you I just I, yeah, I know, but... It was uh, PT gonna, Collects? He's going to, when I go to Australia on this trip, he's going to... show you how to do it? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I follow PT Collects, but... Wait till he can fly us around, right? Yeah. Well, he goes P- private already. So P- cool. PT Collects has 101 followers with following nobody with no posts. <laughs> Legend. <laughs> um, I'll get so you to tune in when I'm down there. So what are you doing now? Is anything you want to promote? Like anything you're like involved in? That's like uh, well, I'm I'm a, I'm doing the transition management with the uh, Huntington Museum, where you've seen all the yep. shit about people think that this and that, and it's going to get, which is people are clueless about what's really going on. Yeah. So I'm involved. I'm not the the uh, executive director, but I'm you're being involved. paid a small retainer to make sure stuff like Serpent Sundays, which is a huge thing that we have on the beach. Yep. the surf music and splash that just happened and then like last night we did the on the couch with Hackman and that yeah. so I'm just getting paid to do stuff until there's a R, what's called an RFP with the city where the other people that cause all the turmoil and everything they have to put in their proposals that yeah. includes the business plan where they're going to get the money but the one thing they all don't realize is the actual building we rent and the collection doesn't belong to the city or that it belongs to the 501c yeah. that Nancy I mean Natalie found it so we could back a moving truck up there tomorrow and yeah. take the big bore and move it down to Pacific City if we want no yeah. one can stop us yeah. those other people that think they're going to get control 
they don't get the collection. They've yeah. got to start all over again and bring in their own collection yeah, and the money. <laughs> and so yeah, here, you got uh, an empty so, building killer. Right, good luck. Right, yeah. good luck. Try renting this hole. Yeah. So, you know, so hopefully that all get resolved. It's still going to take a few months. Yeah. In the meantime, I'm just making sure that it functions correctly because cool. it's a big part of our transient population of tourists that come in. Yeah. We've got that one installation, I don't know if you've seen it, in the Origins of Surf that's based on the paintings of the history of surf culture and it has a book and everything. That's the best installation from a population. People have got to realize that's where these other guys are all on the wrong track. Yeah. It's not a clubhouse. Yeah. We're a tourist destination. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be a world-class... It's a, it's a mini and, and museum we, and we, and we, art installment. Like. Well, it's got to run like a museum, not yeah. a clubhouse. Exactly. Yeah. It can't have just installations and, 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 uh, and exhibits about you and me because these people that are coming in these hotels don't know who we are. Yeah. It's got to be on a larger scale. Like right now, the installation we're working on, and I'm doing it in collaboration with Surfing Heritage, is the road to the Olympics, starting with Duke winning his medal. Right in, in 1912 and in 1920 saying, I want my sport surfing to be in the Olympics to today and it'll trace competitive surfing. And at the end, there'll be two big cutouts with question marks that the two gold medal winners will go in, that win this thing. Mm-hmm. All the people that come here to stay in our hotels, that, that's something they would want to go see. see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then we're going to do one local one this year. We're going to do how they did, I don't know if you went to the H. The uh, one they cooked did a shack called Temples of Stoke about mm-hmm. all the surf shops. Yeah. So we're doing that was a, awesome. we're doing a Huntington version of that oh, at the awesome. end of the year cool. about Plastic Fantastic and Chuck Dent. Yeah. And we would love to come down and do a little. Well, like, you know, live who, you know, you, well, you know who, who, who's doing that with me is Bobby Lockhart oh, and Ricky Black because well, Bobby has the best collection, best collection ever, right. and yeah. Ricky and what he does yeah. on his. He's a So the three of us are curating that together. Cool. Awesome. And that goes in after Labor Day for the end of the year. Dude, that's oh, gonna bitchin'. be epic. Yeah, yeah. Rick, Ricky's art and his history, like. Yeah, no, and he's into it. That's the thing, and 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 the good thing about that, he's younger. You yeah. Know, and he's a teacher, so he's an academic. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, doing it proper. Yeah. Well, yeah. you've given us <laughs> and, our, and our listen listeners an amazing like. Yeah. You know, it's a great uh, I think you need to edit it, edit it, boys. We've been going yeah. for two hours. <laughs> no one's going to keep Two and, and a half hours. No one's going to sure. keep listening to us. Believe it or not. chatter on for two and a half hours. PT, believe it or not, people love uh, long, long uh, yeah. versions. While you're driving in your car somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. On our next uh, commute. Because mm-hmm. um, we're in California. And every, you know, every you go 10 miles, it could be two hours. You know? <laughs> It, well, these, these days it used to be that go to LA, but no, the one that's hard these days going to San Diego. It's bad. Oh no, man, the traffic's got so bad. And they still on, week, the, on they weekends. Still, they still got the green well, tree like meeting. It's even like, it's even not worse like on LA week. traffic though. No. It's the worst. Yeah. Well, no, I I drive north to to uh, Morrow Bay quite often, and and you got to time it exactly. Mm-hmm. You, know? I, I you got to leave at five. Yeah, well, yeah. these days cool. I don't always go on the freeways. I go along Malibu through the back way to Ventura. Well, we, we love it, dude. Thank you. You're welcome, boys. Yeah. <laughs> well, 1976 world champion. Former. A bit of everything. Publishing. Of, I mean, executive of all everything surf. President of SEMA. <laughs> President of SEMA. Uh, you've Founder done, of Surfing America. <laughs> you've done a lot for not only the industry, but the local community and the local surf scene. And raised three kids to be good.
good citizens, yeah. gainfully employed, not in jail. Yeah. <laughs> we'll end it right there. <laughs> yeah. PT, thank you for uh, a You're wonderful welcome, conversation, man. It was awesome. Peace. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.